My name is Matt Brown. Acknowledge me. And let's start the show. I got you into a Remington party. What's my thanks? It's on the hallway carpet. I got paid in puke. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. How are we doing everybody? I hope everybody's fantastic on this Monday, April 19th, 2021 spring day. I certainly am happy because I have the greatest listeners and fans in the world joining us today. That always makes my day. Love and appreciate every single one of you. I hope everybody did have a great weekend. I certainly did. And yeah, I just want to remind you all to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. Also a reminder, if you want all exclusive content regarding this show, go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com and check out all the great things we have, including every one of our podcasts, links to our podcasting platforms and YouTube. All our videos are there, all the video podcasts and all the digital shorts I've created throughout the years, the blogs I've written, my resume for those interested. Everything Productive Conversations Podcast is there, including our merchandise store, thanks to our friends at Zazzle. Go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com slash merchandise or check out the link in the episode description below and check out all the great things we have to offer regarding this show, whether it's apparel, whether it's office supplies, whether it's other cool miscellaneous items that has a Productive Conversations Podcast logo on it. Check it out. You don't want to miss it at great and affordable prices. We're also in the world of social media. Check us out on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Prod Convo Pod. Check us out on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Check out all the great content that we have to offer to the world of social media. Yeah, so big show, classic show, epic show, a nice close to three-hour conversation with the incredible hosts of the Between Two Gardens podcast today. Thomas Arduino returning, and we have his podcast partner joining us, Dan Emmons. One's a Boston sports fan, one's a New York sports fan, yet despite the disdain they have for each other's fandoms, they come together for an epic podcast that is on Spotify that drops every Thursday with a new episode. Brand new, out of the gate. It's entertaining, it's fun, and I can't recommend it enough. Even for people who aren't sports fans, just hearing two people from different worlds talking things out and having a incredible conversation between the two of them that is fun and entertaining and i'm proud of what these guys are pulling off they are really talented at what they do and let's start right away and get to know these guys let's talk to the two hosts of the between two gardens podcast thomas arduino it's your turn once again dan emmons it's your turn for the first time but thomas and dan Let's have some fun. Let's get to know about you and your incredible podcast, the Between Two Gardens podcast. Let's get to it. 
Listen, everybody listening here, you're in for a treat. You're in for another classic episode. And why is that? It's because we are very fortunate to have another up and coming and very talented podcasting group joining the Productive Conversations podcast today. They are the hosts of the Between Two Gardens podcast, available on Spotify right now and soon to be other podcasts and platforms and YouTube. But having said that... We have two of the greats in this industry, and I'm so happy to talk more about their show. And we'll obviously have some fun with sports. But as I said, it's the host of the Between Two Gardens podcast, Thomas Arduino. What's going on, man? Returning guest, how are you doing? I'm good, Matt. How are you doing? Very, very, very well today. And Thomas's co-host of the Between Two Gardens podcast is Dan Emmons. What's up, Dan? Welcome to Productive Conversations. Oh, my goodness, Matt. Two of the greats. We've been doing this for a month, man. But I appreciate the flattery big time. (laughs) Maybe one day, but... I have a distinct, I have a great instinct on this kind of stuff. So I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thank you, man. Happy to have you. But yep, Thomas Arduino, Dan Emmons, the host of the Between Two Gardens podcast here right now. And we're so happy for having them join us. So to start it off, guys, as we learn about your show, learn about your partnership, and obviously we have to talk about your uh, we obviously have to talk sports here once it brings us together. But why don't we just start with Dan? How are we doing today? How are we doing? How's 2021 started for you? Dude, 2021 has honestly been a great year so far. I've been trying a lot of really uh, new stuff. Um, this podcast is being uh, one of my favorite passion projects so far. Um, but yeah, really trying to get the creative outlets going and having an opportunity to reconnect with Tom at the same time uh, through this podcast. It's been it's been a really good start, honestly. I love it. I love it. Thomas, how are we doing today? Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Matt. Um, doing well. Uh, just like Dan trying to, you know, keep the productive and uh, creative juices flowing. The, the podcast, it's, it's really been a fun, creative endeavor. Um, and really something that I've wanted to do for a while. So uh, really came up with the idea and, and one day, you know, brought it up to Dan and was like, yo, we, we talk about this in, you know, DMs, mm-hmm. texts all the time. Why don't we make it public and see if other people would like to, to tune in and listen. So we, we started it. Look at that, man. Look at that. And we are definitely going to go uh, all in about that and your partnership. But first, before we get into the show, talking about the great podcast you guys produce again, Tree Two Gardens on Spotify. Talk to me. Why don't we get to know each other a little more? And we'll start with Dan here as the returning guest. But Dan, tell me about yourself. You know, obviously, as an up and coming podcaster and... Um, We'll talked about how you and Tom met after this, but tell me about um, for my audience as you're new to it. Talk to me about, you know, what you do nowadays, what you aspire to be. And we know what brings you guys together is sports fans is sports as Thomas is a New York sports fan. You are the Boston sports fan. But talk to me about how you became, where are you initially from and how did you join the Boston fandom who has had a quite a few years and I'm sure you uh, are, know all about that. 
Sure. Yeah. So I guess I'll start at the beginning here. I am originally from Danbury, Connecticut, mm -hmm. which is a pretty... I'm about two exits from the New York line where I live. So mm -hmm. growing up, it was mostly New York New York fans. You obviously had a little bit of split as you do most places in Connecticut. But my all my friends growing up were mostly New York fans. Um, it, it was kind of just everywhere being so close. Uh, like an hour and 10 minutes from New York City is my hometown. Mm -hmm. So that, that was the beginning of kind of my sports knowledge is kind of just knowing that you're in this relatively divided territory, but it definitely leans one way. Um, I'd say what drew me to the Boston fandom originally was I, Tom Brady was my first hero. Um, mm -hmm. The Patriots, I really owe most of my love for sports to. That's how I got into watching sports, falling in love with competition in general. Um, yeah, and that that obviously followed with uh, hockey and baseball, which are now equal loves of mine. But yeah, coming up through elementary, middle school, high school, I kind of just fell more and more into it, and it kind of it felt kind of cool being uh, one of the only Boston fans in mm -hmm. the in like my classrooms growing up. That was that was pretty fun. People ask me all the time um, because I have friends from all over the state now. And mm -hmm. they say, you're from Danbury. You're so close to New York. How did you become a Boston fan? And it was a little bit, little bit of contrarianism off the top, mm -hmm. uh, admittedly. Uh, but over time, just getting that in those initial Patriots hooks in me and then kind of just following suit from there. So uh, went to college. Um, right after college, moved up to Boston for grad school. Boston mm -hmm. has been my dream city, not just for sports forever. I've wanted to live here since I was in middle school. Um, so yeah, I did that. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I've, uh, I stayed after I graduated. I've been here for about three years. Um, my, my real job is in higher ed. Um, that's what I went to grad school for. Um, I was lucky enough to land a job with Harvard Medical School as soon as I graduated. All right. Congrats um, on that as well. Presence of greatness you. here. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, higher ed is definitely a, a huge passion of mine. It's something I love doing. Um, but, you know, sports talk has always been on the side for me. It's something I've always done with a lot of my friends. It's something I enjoy doing. It's something that I feel like I was pretty good at. And then I've been looking for an opportunity, honestly, for years now to really pursue that. And I think the friendship that I had with Tom and this idea that we had for this podcast, where it leaves us enough room to really flex their sports muscles, but it's enough yeah. of a spin on the traditional just sports talk show that I, I really believe in this idea. And I still really believe in this idea. And it's been, it's been a really cool journey so far. Like I said, we've only been at it for about a month. We had the idea probably four or five months ago, but we finally decided to put the boots on the ground. We came up with the name, did the art, did the music, uh, started talking about like what the format of the show was going to be. And it's been, it's been a really, really cool side project for me. Just, I haven't built something from the ground up in a long time. Yeah. So being kind of just being on the ground floor and really getting in what you put out, uh, getting out what you put into something like this has been a really, really cool experience for me. How fulfilling and how inspiring as well. And this is, this is so cool. And like, what, what part of Boston are you, uh, are you at? 
So my first two years, I was in East Boston. That's where I moved out to. And now I'm in Brookline, which is uh, right next to the Fenway neighborhood. So yeah. I'm uh, right, right off the green line. O'Brien and JFK, right? The Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, JFK lived here for the first 10 years of his life. Yeah, Conan's originally from here, too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cool neighborhood for sure. Look at that, man. Awesome, awesome. And what's, let me say, now that when you came into Boston, what is your favorite places to hang out? So my favorite street in Boston is definitely Lansdowne Street, uh, right across mm-hmm. the street from Fenway Park. Oh, yeah. Um, the Lansdowne Pub has been my my go-to bar to go to watch games, uh, get dinner with friends. Uh, it's kind of been my uh, my McLaren's from How I Met Your Mother, if anybody <laughs> out there is, uh, is into that. Of course, um, or your hub, yeah. the hub is Fred's. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Moe's um, Simpsons. <laughs> yep. It's my patties. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, the Fen- the Fenway neighborhood is definitely one of my favorite places to hang out. Uh, but I have friends all over Alston, Brighton. Um, I usually kind of just come out to them, check out their neighborhoods whenever I can. So I'm, I'm all over the place, man. And of when, course. when I lived in Eastie, there were, there were a bunch of, uh, cool restaurants there too. And then I went to Suffolk university for grad school, which is right yeah. in the heart of downtown. So I was in, in the thick of downtown too. So I'm, I'm literally all over the place. Yeah. Look at that. And you know, I always, you always hear the lands street, all the people who've hit the home runs over the marsh and all oh, that's now in Lansdowne street. Yeah. Banging off sicko. the house of blues. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. My mom went to Boston to BU. She did her oh, undergrad cool. and uh, she never stops complaining. And Boston is uh, a, an amazing city. And, you know, I'm sure you could agree. We, just sports hate your teams as you do for us. And, uh, right. But it really is cool. I mean, Boston, you know, work in New York. I've been working in New York city. You know, I worked for the last four years until our last five years until the pandemic as we transition. But, you know, one thing about Boston is just how clean it is for a major city. That's the one thing that really stuck out to me. He says how breathable you, the air is, and honestly, the good vibes. I will say that. I I tell people all the time, man. I think, honestly, if if it were up to me, I think New York is a place to visit. I think Boston is a place to live. I think it's just a little bit more. It's got the life. It's it's got the energy, but it's not quite as shoulder to shoulder with everybody. Mm. Um, And it's it really is. It's a small town with big city perks. And that's what I love most about it. Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. So just to Thomas. Transitioning to Thomas right here. Now, as you said, as we got to know you throughout in your first appearance, Thomas, but just for the sake of this, can you just talk to me about your New York, um, New York sports fandom as Dan did for us, Boston? You know, I know where the story comes from, but for my audience who doesn't know, why did you decide to be a New York sports fan? You know, also growing up um, in between, in the state in between, why did you decide to pick New York sports? He had his pick and he chose wrong. It's really sad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really comes from just my, my dad and my, my grandfather being huge uh, New York sports fans and basically just, you know, picked up the, the fandom from them. And, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of just rolled with it. You know, was born in August '96. The Yankees won in in October, so it was mm-hmm. kind of like born in the in the thick of the the dynasty, or actually it was the beginning of the dynasty. Um, 
and Jeter coming onto the scene. So just from a young age, I was just, you know, enthralled and obsessed with those Yankees teams and Jeter, you know, growing up and playing baseball. I, I just wanted to be Jeter. I wanted to, I wore number two. I wanted to play shortstop infield. So basically that's where, where it all started. Yeah. And you specifically picked in the New York's, obviously you could go to two sides. You picked the traditional Yankee Giants, Nick Ranger out, right? Yeah. The winning side. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> winning is a strong word. Except for the Knicks, but <laughs> I mean, hey. Brooklyn's never won anything yet either. <laughs> we have an exciting summer of basketball and do. Uh, can't wait to get it to that. So, all right. We hit on the sports fandom, family influence, or, you know, being rebellious like Dan, choosing the other side and being different. Those Boston so, Rebels. <laughs> guys, you're obviously growing up a sports fan. It's been quite, you know, born, you guys born in the late 90s. Uh, and, you know, obviously New York had a lead pretty much, you know, Obviously, Yankees, Giants, the late 90s. Giants made the Super Bowl in 2000, then won again, then actually won in 07 and 11. Uh, Knicks had, at the tail end, they did make the finals in 99, only to lose to the Spurs. Then um, very sporadic playoff appearances. You know, only, well, only in 04, then 13, and we know what happened there. Then Rangers winning a, uh, or sorry, they won the Easter Conference Went to the Stanley Cup in 14 to a tough five-game series loss to L.A. Then we have Dan, the had the, I mean, the greatest stretch ever. I mean, his his sports towns, I mean, between 2000 and 2010, all four major league sports won a championship. Um, um, obviously, Patriots dynasty, Boston having uh, an incredible run, a tough run to swallow. But, um, you know, yep. I, I moved to Boston September 2018 and I got two <laughs> parades in my first six months. I mean, exactly. Can't beat it. I saw this this kid, like a seven year old kid who put a sign and he's like, this is my ninth parade or something. Yep, yeah. Yeah. That kid's at yeah. ev every single year. He's there, man. I've and I think been... he's like it started when he was like three and it was like three years old four parades. And now he's like Ugh. now he's like 22. <laughs> and he still just makes the same sign like 22 years old. Unbelievable. But if I could if I could take a moment to say just how inspired by Tom's story I was. Mm -hmm. I mean, when Tom was just sitting there, Tom knew when he was six weeks old watching the Yankees win the World Series. <laughs> Tom, Tom said, you know what? This is it for me. <laughs> According to my parents, I watched every single pitch from the 96 World Series on their lap. I got a tear in my eye at that story. Like just six yeah. week old Tom Arduino was so All right. inspired. If we All the heartbreak. If, if we want to throw there. stones at, at origin <laughs> stories, allow me. So what Dan left out from his <laughs> origin story of his fandom is that he was actually for many uh -oh. years also a New Jersey Devils fan. That is true. Marty Brodora owned this ass for, so for quite a while. He didn't here. necessarily pledge his fandom to either side yet. While Boston was always in the picture, mm -hmm. it was convenient that once the championships really picked up, he decided to join the Boston full time. I'll just put that right, out. Allow there. me, allow me to allow me to address this. Rebuttal so, is always allowed. Yes. Tom Tom's got a point. Marty Brodor 
was also one of my earliest heroes. Mm -hmm. He led me to root for the Devils for a brief period there. My dad is a diehard New York Mets fan. I have Mets blood coursing through every vein in my body right now. These are my grievances. It's out there. These are my ties to the New York, New Jersey fandom. They exist. They're out there. Mm -hmm. Just just to clear the air. You stay consistent, uh, though, with the anti-Yankees, anti-Rangers, anti, you know. So so you bleed into New York, New Jersey, but you don't bleed in so much that it's like, what's going on here? You know, maybe I'll give you the most the most innate thing that I knew, like from birth is fuck the Yankees. Like oh, before man. before I even like <laughs> liked teams, it was in this house we hate the Yankees. Like Yankee hate just comes so viscerally natural to me. It's 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 I think really we're getting into something the genetic think, it's a genetic think, predisposition. It really I think, is I think we need a study done on nature versus nurture for sports fandom because I'm hearing from from my side it's a lot of you know learn from my dad so I just picked it up but also you're it from what you're saying Dan it sounds like it was just in you from the beginning what? so it's interesting. It's like maybe it was it. in me from the beginning who knows like maybe maybe it is a little innate <laughs> who knows yeah you were literally born with it. You know, I really should be a Mets fan. My dad's a Mets fan. Uh, grandpa before that was a Mets fan. Mom's a Mets fan. I just saw the Yankees first. And uh, honestly, that's that was where I would on uh, walked on my own. And I really didn't realize my dad just was contempt with the Yankees and respected him. And, you know, Thomas knows this. You guys know this. I don't feel like there's been a true Met and Yankee hate per se. I understand the Met fan hating the yet. Yankee fan, but it's not like as intense as Yankees, Red Sox, and other Yankees, Astros hate. Right. Well, that actually might be changing because Tom will deny it. Yankees fans are so rattled that the Mets are getting good. And no, that they might be competing for are, spotlight in New have York. Have you soon? seen the Mets com- play this year? I completely agree with you, especially it's, with Cohen. Especially when Cohen bought the team and uh-huh. tried to put in a whole other level. And uh, but I definitely want to get into this when we get in our MLB chat for sure. So Thomas, just save that passion. I'll, I'll bottle that up because I got some fire to spit. Right <laughs> Perfect. Now. That's exactly what I want. Just don't but, don't don't make me cap it up for too long because it's gonna come out <laughs> at some point. Oh, I'll make sure. I'll make sure, man. I'll make sure. But, um, you know, transitioning back, as you see, you guys have had some time, obviously, growing up, coming of age, watching your teams go through highs and lows. Now that brings you to college. Talk to me about how you guys met initially. Uh, We briefly went on it uh, before we started recording. But for the audience, talk to me about the moment you guys locked eyes with each other. And that brings us here today. Yeah, we um, so we both went to Southern and we're both in the Honors College. And the way Southern mm-hmm. does it, you can choose if you're in the Honors College to And by live. the way, just uh, for anyone yeah, who does a Southern Connecticut State University. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that Southern does it is you can live in, uh, damn, what was it called? The Living, Living Learning, Learning community? community. Yes. Yes. So both of us decided to opt into the living learning community, which was, which had added perks of being in like the nicest dorm on campus and, and Mm -hmm. that type of stuff. Um, so we were both on the same floor. We weren't roommates. Um, but definitely right off the bat, 
we got the vibes that we were both giant sports fans um, of our respective cities and teams. And just kind of off the bat, we were both kind of the guys and got along that we were able to, you know, riff back and forth and Mm -hmm. uh, it not be like we wanted to rip each other's heads off, but like kind of, we basically, and we do this on the podcast, we basically embody the hockey bros persona where it's right, like on the ice chickens. we're gonna rip each other's heads off but off their ice you know we're getting a beer we're that type of vibe those are your best kind of friends the ones you can have fun with and the, they bring the best out of you so exactly. you guys so do you remember how that you guys realized you were sport fans or did you were thomas were you rocking a yankee shirt or were probably you i mean a rest shirt say hey i hate your team want to be friends or something like that yeah, I mean, my wardrobe consists of it's probably ninety percent Yankees, Rangers, Knicks stuff. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, probably. I mean, like, like I'm wearing that. I got hey. like five other Rangers sweaters. So every, basically, every day in college, I was wearing a different one and or wearing a jersey, whatever. And I'm sure that I was walking down the hallway one day, and Dan peeped out of his room, made a snarky comment, and I was like, "All right, we'll see you in Game Seven this year." <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really the bathroom. That's where. Yeah, true. That was the that was the, the marketplace huh? of ideas on the first floor of West Campus. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, the bathroom's in the middle um, of the hallway. Of mm-hmm. uh, we were on first floor in West. Um, it's in the middle, so it's kind of like in a weird way, like a, a meeting area. <laughs> Um, yeah, typical, typical, like straight line dorm building, like yeah. 10, <laughs> 10 rooms, like bathroom in the middle. And that's, that's where you see everybody. You run I don't into know if we have during... like a, yeah, I don't know if we have like a, like cool specific, like moment of our origin story. I, I, not but, that I could remember, honestly, but honestly, us starting this podcast has been a tide that has literally been rising for the last six years. Yeah. Oh, oh for yeah. Sure. No it's doubt. always been in our minds at some point, and it's really just it's just come out in the past, you know, six months when we kind of really were like, oh, this would be cool, and then we kind of sat on it for a little bit, just you know, did whatever with our lives, and then we're like, all right, we got we got to start this. Like, yeah, Look we have that. too much to talk about. Oh, I'm glad glad you guys made the big push for it. So why don't we hit on that part? Actually, creating between two gardens. So. Walk me through, as you said, you guys off to talk DMing, saying this is our moment to do this once and for all. Uh, do you remember that defining moment where you guys decided, uh, okay, let's do the show, let's buy the equipment, let's get the editing software? Walk me through that process from deciding when to do it to your first episode drop about a month ago. I'll try to find the DMs because I remember it happened on Twitter, Dan, right? It's sure the, the, the real like initial conversation did for some reason. I don't know what sparked yeah. it, but I'm going to go find it. What do you say? That? So, I've heard a lot of the uh, partnerships. Uh, uh, I don't mean to interrupt. Sorry, Dan. I was just no, saying, of course um, not. I was just saying that I've heard a lot of uh, partnerships starting on Twitter, like part of my take big cat at PFT riffing on Twitter leading to, you know, most successful sports podcast now, arguably, or Jesus and Miro also, who are great hosts on Showtime, do great podcasts, and Jesus and Miro, they start on Twitter. So it's funny how the Twitter connection does seem to work with podcasters. I think a lot of it was our our DMs are basically just taking shots at one another. Mm -hmm. And so I think it just, what happened was, is it just boiled over that it was like, 
all right, you son of a bitch. Like we're putting this on air. Cause like, yeah, yeah I'm sick of Love getting the, the torture and, and taking these punches in, in private. Like we're going to take mm-hmm. this public and at least like, you know, have people sympathize with, with either side and, and figure that part out. So look right. at that. Look at that. You were about to say something else, Dan. Yeah. So it did happen relatively gradually. I would say mm-hmm. we, I think we originally had the idea for the show it was probably four or five months ago. And between then and now, it was a lot of, you know, trying to see if there were any specific parts of the identity we could come up with before we hit the mics. Right. Um, really just trying to lay the groundwork for ourselves because we we have no background in this. I've been a guest on a podcast one time in my life prior to this. Mm-hmm. I've never recorded one. I've never edited one prior to this. So we were, we were brand, brand new. And we knew that it was going to take a little bit. It was going to take some homework before we hopped on the mics, obviously, especially yep. uh, knowing how much we believed in this idea and knowing that we really wanted to put the work in necessary to make it something that, you know, people would enjoy listening to. So that's led to a little bit of a gap between the idea and getting right to it. But once we did, I mean, we've been learning all along the way. We're still learning. I mean, we learned in the uh, conversation we had before we started talking today where you said, Oh, timestamps while you're recording, instead of just finding them in post. It's like, Oh, Tom, we got to do that. Yeah. Like we're, we're really just, <laughs> we're learning a lot of stuff on the fly. Um, it's, it's a lot of it is trial and error, but uh yeah, we we got to the point where we had we had the name, we we knew what we wanted the visuals to look like and then it was just a matter of coming up with a basic formula, maybe uh a couple of segments which we're starting to phase in now. Mm-hmm. Um knowing how our basic topic structure was going to go, like length, length per topic, everything like that. Yep. And then we we finally got to a point where we were uh, we were ready to hop on the sticks about a month ago, and now we are uh, we're dropping episode four this week, and uh, we have a couple more in the tank that we've recorded already. And uh, it, I, I tell Tom this every week when when we hang up the call. Uh, every week, it's palpable how better we're getting at this. You, like the the difference between even now and episode one is is such it's it's night and day even between episode one and episode six. So that's that's part of the thing that makes me really want to pursue this and do it for as long as we can is just that that growth that we're feeling every time we do it and that contentment that we get from it. Yeah, I really admire what you guys have pulled off. And I noticed, too, as you know, once I saw the show come on and just reached out, Thomas, right away. Hey, man, I'd love to, you know, promote you guys. You know, obviously, I'm in the same boat, still a relatively new show, still pushing through, still so much I'm learning and adding on. And uh, I know exactly where you're coming from. We always are better. I really believe every show, next show is better in keeping that consistency. Talk to me about that aspect, too. I think. You know, I understand the joke people say, oh, everybody has a podcast. You know, I don't necessarily think that's true. I know a lot of people who try it or see, but, you know, it's not as, you know, though it's absolutely fun and a pleasure every single time, it's not as 
quote unquote, e- I mean, I think that the talking part's easy because if you just love talking to people, it, that's smooth. But, you know, from editing and and do a copy and creating segments, as you said, you know, it, it takes some time, but it's worth it. So talk to me about your Absolutely. plan, part of the keeping that consistency. I think um, that's the big thing we have to do to show our legitimacy is always produce the content and then the following comes. And like when I started the show, I was on a, I was had podcasts that I was on or brought other podcasters on. And um, yeah, a lot of them guys already in between the six months I do it, I already stopped doing their shows for whatever reason, except one, the word for word podcast, great guy buddies over there. So like, what do you guys think coming into this? What do you think you guys could do to help keep that consistency in creating that content? So, Tom, I'll definitely let you talk towards the end on this one, too, because I know this is a a two way street with how we do this. But honestly, one of the things I admire most about Tom and the thing that made me want to do this podcast with him in the first place is he's that same mix of laid back. But when it's time to get it done, put your nose down, get the work done, get it done that I am. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I wanted to do, especially for a podcast uh, that I believed in this much is have somebody who I was working with it on who was kind of just like, yeah, let's do a podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'll hop on and talk once a week. But Tom, Tom knew from the beginning that it was going to be work. I knew from the beginning that it was going to be work. And I think one of the things that's, um, led us to be so consistent, especially early on, is we set the tone almost right away. We sat down, we had a we had our first production meeting and we we talked about okay, we're going to record on this day, we're going to edit on these days, uh we're going to release on this day. Mm-hmm. And then after we got that out of the way, we started to talk about okay, here's a list of things that we're going to need to get done for this podcast and building Uh, the social followings and the video content and everything. And we kind of just split off tasks from there too. So even uh, that that happened very organically. It didn't have to be like, okay, I want this. And like, Oh no, well, like you take that. It really was just like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. That that works out great. I think that placed her both our strengths. So we really just complement each other very well. And like Dan said that we, neither of us like to do things half-assed. So if we're going to do something, we're going to make it good. We're going to give it our all. Otherwise, why are you even doing it in the first place? You know, time's limited. So, so give it your all. That's right. I hear you. I hear that. And I, I, I'm glad to hear the organic part of it too. Um, And it's important because, you know, you need to have the work ethic. And if you put the effort, that's when the show naturally goes. And that's where the, the, I, I, I think the best advice I heard is just focus on the content. Now focus on the content and the following Absolutely. will come. I think a lot of people are focused on getting their views and numbers and engagement right off the bat, but you need to find your voice and find your place while creating the show. And that, and that takes months to figure out, but it's worth those months pushing through, you know? Matt, can I give you a sports metaphor right now? Of course, as always. This is this is how I view it. So if you ever step up to the plate and you try to hit a home run, <laughs> usually you wind up striking out because you're trying too much, you're overswinging, you're dipping yep. your shoulder, trying to get that launch angle. Usually doesn't work out well. Basically, the best thing you could do is just do your best and put the best swing on the ball that you can do. And that's really how we approach it. 
we just try to do our best each time and get better with every episode that we do. And yeah, it's, there's a, a quote that I saw in a, or read in uh, an interview by Post Malone. And he said, I don't try to make hits. I just try to make good music. Yeah. And that's when the, like you said, the talent takes over. So, so we, we take that thesis and we, and we run with it. Yeah. And I think that's important and very mature realizing that right away too. And like it, it's a pleasure hearing you guys talk and, together i think that's the best thing that i got out of your first few episodes is just the chemistry and when you have good chemistry with someone people will find it and will stick with it so that's why we appreciate our audience and always showing the love because well you can't do any of this without the audience yeah yeah so all right so getting that work ethic down figuring out your schedule um again you can find it the new episodes every thursday on Spotify and soon to be other podcasts and platforms and YouTube as well. Thank you. Thank you. So I just want to also one last thing. We're just, I'm just curious from the podcasting side of this, where do you guys distribute your show? Do you use transistor or uh, uh, who's your Who do you get your RSS free from? We do Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout. Yes. Good. Good people over there. Shouts to Buzzsprout. All right, cool. Great. So, Got the production down. Uh, just the last thing I want to ask before we switch gears and uh, talk about some sports going on in our lives right now. But talk to me. What do you what, what do you guys see in the future for your show? Where do you guys, uh, you know, where do you guys want to see this go and push forward? And, uh, you know, obviously, I know you guys are still very new and still figuring out your grasp. But what do you guys see for the future between two gardens? I think an, another way that Dan and I are both are aligned and it goes back to the work ethic thing. So this is a nice little transition is that like, we think it can go to wherever we want it to go. I think like the sky is the limit here. Um, we have, I, w- I would say probably moving forward, we have a vision for where it can go, but we're not, you know, completely anchored to that mm-hmm. vision we're kind of just like, you know, going along for the ride right now and we're seeing where it takes us. Um, kind of using a blend of like spontaneity with, with like where we find ourselves, the pocket that we get into, but also like kind of we're guiding it at the same time. Yeah. In a little bit of way, if that answers your question. Oh, very much. It does. Uh, you have anything to add on to that, Dan? Yeah. So like Tom said, we from the beginning, we've had the sense that we're going to get out of this what we put into it. And that's one of our biggest motivators is we know that uh, every, you know, night we stay up late editing or every night that we um, talk about something that we've been putting off for a couple of weeks, that it's going to show back up in our show and it's going to pay it's going to pay off eventually and especially in a um in an admittedly kind of overcrowded market like podcasting you really have to set yourself apart and that comes through that comes through your show obviously but it also comes through in how you approach things and we we just try to do everything the right way and uh uh we we know that if we keep doing that we're we're going to get this thing to where we where we want it to be 
and we appreciate you guys for it. Thank and thank you, man. Just thanks for pushing. And you know, how do you guys also feel about any challenges to over that may come along the way? Like, how do you guys handle uh, adversity when it comes to the any challenges uh, producing the show? Um. I- I personally view it as, you know, everything's a learning experience. So like I, I am always trying to gain different skills and learn along the way. So I view it even if is, even if this podcast ends in six months, which I'm not planning on it happening or, or, or wanting it to, but even if it does, I will come out of it with, you know, acquired skills that I could approach and use with the next endeavor that I do. So, yeah. Um, I would say that's pretty much where like, you know, meeting the adversity comes with and um, overcoming those obstacles and stuff like that. Hear that. I hear that. Dan, what about you? Yeah. So there, there's obviously been a lot of challenges, especially when you're first, first getting off the ground and when you have no background in it, like we do just trying to, navigate the landscape of everything that goes into this but honestly the the challenges and the adversity so far uh and it's one of the things that i think has shown me that this is something that's sustainable for me and for us long term is that i'm inspired to get over those like it's not uh, the bumps in the road aren't like discouraging because like oh it's another thing between us and where we want to be it, it's it doesn't like, okay, feel like work yeah it, it really doesn't. And yeah, I mean, we had a, we had a day, it was our recording day last Monday where I went straight from, I finished up my, my day job and then went straight to researching for the episode, recording the episode, working on our graphics and then uh, editing last week's episode and all, all said and done. That was, that was like nine or 10 straight hours. And by the end, I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel exhausted. I didn't feel discouraged. I didn't feel like, oh, I need to, I need to walk away from doing between two garden stuff for a while. I thought like, all right, we're, we're putting in the work here. Like we're, we're really putting in all those extra hours that, that make the difference. And I know again, it it all goes back to what, what we put in, we're going to get out of it. So it, it really, it really hasn't been a challenge even on the challenging days really has oh yeah challenges are as hard as you make them so i like to hear and love to hear that you're not being phased from it and you know as i go through my challenges too whether from booking challenges or editing or finding time with what i have to do in my life as well it can be a lot but you know, I know there's a great purpose and fulfillment at the end of it, and that's why I'll forever do it. And, you know, as my production career goes and I'll still fig- have figured out a way to get my two shows in every Monday and Thursday. And it's just a pleasure. It really is so much. It, it's really fun. And I'm sure you both can agree how the podcasting, especially that you do create content, you make work, but you have that special connection because of the voice aspect, because you talk with various people. It's just as that little emotion. And then, you know, as the same with radio, an audience could feel like you're their friend to them because of how much they interact and you produce content for them. And that's what you have to remember at the end of the day, that someone's listening and you're really allowing them to be a distraction. Oh, sorry. You're allowing yourself, your, yourself, and your show to be a distraction for the audience in this fucked up world we live in. I'm sure you guys agree, right? 
Absolutely. And even as we obviously we have a fairly modest following right now, we're still kind of just starting out. We're trying to build. But I mean, I've I've listened to podcasts every day for the last seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that one thing that a lot of hosts have in common is that they even when they start to gain the following, they start to really see the results. They're like every time somebody chooses to spend part of their day listening to our show Mm -hmm. or looking at our accounts like it really really hits and that's something that never really sunk into me until i started doing this because i was like oh yeah you started a podcast you knew like you were going to have listeners eventually like you knew that people were going to come in and start to consume and be into you like it can't really that be that like shaken can it when people just listen to your podcast but every time we get a new follow on instagram every time i check the the spotify numbers and or tom updates me on the spotify numbers and we we see an uptick or just like a dozen or so people that like choose to spend an hour of their day listening to us it's like it's an indescribable feeling It, it really is yeah. It's like every follow and every download, it's like a piece of wood that you just put on the fire and it just adds yeah. to the burn. You know, Definitely. it's just, it's just fueling the drive. What a great metaphor that on that one. Yeah. It's makes, like I said, I start every show with the world is a better place because you have, you are here to join us. And that's exactly why, what you said, why that's the case. We just appreciate everyone taking the time and when they give us their time, we're not taking it for granted and we're going to have some fun and talk about the crazy things in this world and have fun with it. Yeah. So I'm also just curious. Um, we're talking about uh, hearing podcasts for uh, eight, nine years as I, as am I, I first started with Brady. Uh, my first influence was the first time, you know, growing up, Mike and the mad dog, um, as you both know, growing up in this area, uh, I'm sure you guys pretty common, whether that your dad's, drove you around listening to Mike and the Mad Dog. Even as a young age, I got I got a vibe for it. Then in high school, it was both Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, then Howard Stern changed everything when I heard the long format. I remember my first my first uh first time I ever heard took the time on a YouTube clip was Seth Rogan on Howard Stern and my life changed. If I did not hear that interview, I would not be here. We would not be talking here. And and um is it took, you know, 10, 11 years of listening to radio and podcasts, then you decide to do it on your own. So I was just curious, who are you, some of your influences to do the podcast? Who are some of the podcasters or, or radio hosts you listened to that helped inspire you, both of you to do this? Was it for all? Why don't we start with Dan on that? Sure. So obviously our format, we have some pretty obvious influences, uh, I watch Undisputed with Skip and Shannon every morning. <laughs> um, and that's that's Love kind it. of the, the spin we wanted to take on this. We knew we wanted to be a debate show. We knew we wanted to get into those, uh, those hot arguments like they do. Um, again, we thought we had enough of kind of an original spin to not just be a carbon copy of those shows. But obviously, yep. we get a, a ton of inspiration from, from watching them do what they do. They're always so well-researched. Um, they, they really bring the passion to every conversation, every debate that they have. So they, they've been a, a huge inspiration to me in that. Um, but in terms of podcasts, I, I also listen to PMT uh, as we yep. were, as we were talking about earlier. 
their their chemistry is obviously amazing. Um, but honestly, the podcasts that I listen to are so all over the place. I don't know if I can uh, <laughs> tie them all directly into what we do. But uh, yeah, we we try to draw pieces from uh, you know the people who are doing similar to what we're doing, but are doing it at the the highest level. I mean, everybody in every field does that, right? Definitely. But uh, yeah, that's that's been a big, big part of it for me, at least. Oh, cool, cool. Well, who, who inspires you to create some great content, Thomas? Uh, definitely. So I'm a big Gary Vee guy. Hmm. Um, he definitely inspires me a lot and has shaped my thinking in a lot of ways um discovered him in like probably sophomore year of college and was super attracted to his philosophy and stuff because it was a lot of the stuff that i already believed in or or knew so like a lot of the beliefs just aligned and it was um just made sense and uh so yeah he's he's a big one i would say and then like other guys probably just like Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. like just what he's built there is just super inspiring and yeah. and what he does. Um, yeah, I would say those are probably the, the two big ones. And then Dan and I are both big Stephen A guys. <laughs> so uh, Stephen A Smith and, you know, to kind of riff off the, the Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp and then Stephen A and Max Kellerman, which is, we have those vibes on our show with the, you know, the rivalry. Yep. Which is a, a great element. And one that like I've studied and noticed like, well, like people tune into this show because of, you know, the banter and because of the, the clips and the arguments that come out of it. And that's I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, well, we could have something with that and put our own little twist onto that concept, you know? So mm-hmm. Think, uh, for, for sure, Stephen A. Smith is one. And there. I think that's a big key. You can't have a partner podcast if you two agree on everything. I mean, that's... No, who wants to just, listen to that? It's just boring. Exactly. It's just the most narcissistic way to go. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's why... That's that's what I really appreciate you guys too, that is you're just... You have the candor and you have to have conflict. That's where the content comes from. And as you said, my big, inf- as uh, also I said before, just my influence, Mike and the Mad Dog and listen to them deep. I specifically put the major ones next to me here. So I always love Letterman style. Joan Evan, mm-hmm. even though they're no more. We have Craig and Evan back here, which is good. Simmons, mm-hmm. Stern, Mike and the Mad Dog, Conan and Mark Marin and Rogan's up there too. So I just... I know how, what exactly what you mean, Dan, having a lot of different podcasts on your feed and uh, just take it, just soaking it all in and having fun with it. So it's a great time for podcasting and it's just keeps growing from here. Since everyone's on the move, it's so I'm so glad that it um, is giving people like us an opportunity to explore it and grow with it. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, now let's talk about, all right, we got oh one last one final thing I have to ask before we switch and just talk about sports in general is uh I get the concept between two gardens, obviously New York fan, Boston sports fan coming together and you know, riffing on the great world of sports coming from completely different worlds. But can you talk to me? I mean, I get where your name comes from between two gardens, but for 
people who are not sure what exactly that means. Talk to me about the name origin and where Between Two Gardens comes from. Yeah. So we had we had a couple different names uh, when we were off the top. We had a couple different names and art concepts. Um, one of the before before I get into the the origin of why we picked that one, I'll go into some of the ones that we mm-hmm. didn't pick. So uh, I think our number two seed uh, was Rivalry Renewed. We were going to uh, mm-hmm. name our podcast just because that was a. I feel like every time there's something big that happens between a New York team and a Boston team, uh, someone in the sports media says, Oh, the, the rivalry's back on the rivalry's renewed. It's reignited. <laughs> so that, that was one that we, we, uh, we put out there, but the reason I think between two gardens works so well is, you know, obviously because our arenas share a name basically, so that's an easy way to incorporate that into a title, but may, the aspect of between two gardens, just the first off, it's kind of like a nod to us both being from Connecticut because that's literally between the two gardens. <laughs> um, and then just the middle ground that comes between these two different corners of the universe. And as much as Tom and I disagree on almost everything, we do have a lot of common ground. Like we have respect for a lot of the same things. We love a lot of the same things. Um, So yeah, just the, the gardens being far apart, but still together and really analyzing what's in between what's in the, the middle ground. I think it is really what, what made it work. So it's kind of like you start peeling back the onion, the, the, the layers really start to speak for themselves. So I, I, I think it's a perfect name for us. I think so too. I think so too. Anything else to add on with that, Tom? No, I, I, I agree with Dan on all of that. Um, it really tap, it, it does tap into the, the juxtaposition between the two and um, also the geographical location of, us living in Connecticut being between mm-hmm. two gardens. So yes. Um, yeah. As people he basically like, hit it on the head. Perfect. Perfect. And for those who don't know, Madison square garden is based in New York city where obviously Rangers and Knicks play and uh, TD bank garden is where the Bruins and Celtics play. And also the old Boston garden, uh, the old Boston garden. Mm-hmm. Never Ever- was allowed to see it, but here, here are the stories. Tell, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. So, all right. Now we got familiar about your show. We've had fun with it. And again, don't forget to check them out on Spotify. New episodes every Thursday between two gardens. Be sure to like and subscribe to them and soon to be other podcasts and platforms and YouTube. So let's get it to sports. Let's have some banter. Let's have some fun. So why I just want to... The easiest way I think we break this down is just talking about the four different leagues hitting on it and hitting on our specific teams. So why don't we first hop in the NFL? Got the draft coming up in a couple weeks. Obviously, you're a New England Patriots fan, Dan, I assume. The only New England team. Absolutely. Thomas, you're a New York Giants fan. Hitting on yes, NFL, obviously, we're all excited. Can't wait for the day after Labor Day, September. It's going to be a new 17-game season, so we're adding an extra week. And um, so, um, quite a, so we have quite the expectations of both teams. First, while we hit Dan, 
your Patriots. Obviously, they had a much different year than normal. You mentioned Tom Brady, your first love with sports. First of all, when you went to Tampa, I have to ask before we even hit to your Patriots, when Tom Brady goes to Tampa, what side are you? Are you supporting Tom? Were you happy to see him win the seventh Super Bowl, not as a Patriot? Or are you fuck, like, fuck him, he's dead to me? Which which side of the coin do you flip, fall on? So the two weeks leading up to that Super Bowl and the couple days after, I was I was a point every single I was everywhere on that spectrum at some point leading up leading up to that that game. So first off, my dad, who is uh, who I've gotten into football, he wasn't really into it before, but now he watches all the games with me. He's just as into it uh, now. He was a completely Tom's dead to me. I hope. I hope Kansas city wins 76 mm-hmm. to nothing. Like, is, no, I was sad. To, obviously sad to see him do it with another team, mm-hmm. but really what built up for me leading up to that game is like the appreciation for everything he did for us and how, you know, he gave us three quarterbacks lifetimes of memories and things to celebrate. And just like, he, he made me proud to be a new Englander, like single-handedly, like how can I root against this guy as he goes out and spends like the bonus time of his career, um, you know, getting away from getting away from the new England system, having a little bit more fun. Um, yeah, it was obvious with Gronk. Yeah. I mean that, that part really, really sucked. Just seeing seeing them get that chemistry back and watching Gronk catch two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, um, watching really them be <laughs> watching them be vintage Tom and Gronk again, but not not in the navy blue was was really tough. But where I landed with it, uh, especially after they won, watching like uh, Tom do a Super Bowl parade in Tampa was was very very <laughs> weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, my buddy got me a T-shirt of that famous drunk Tom picture. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that's going to be that's going to be the the day drink uniform all summer long. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was strange. But at the end of the day, um, he's my guy. He's going to be my mm-hmm. guy forever. At the end of the day, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm not one of those Patriots fans who just went out and like bought a Bucks jersey like straight like completely jumped ship i'm a patriots fan till i die but like that's my man that's like that's all it's the only the only thing i've ever known is rooting for tom brady so i mean for the all the childhood memories he gave me um i i couldn't i couldn't get myself to feel any ill will towards the guy i really couldn't yeah i think that is honestly requires a lot of patience and i respect you for that i mean god i have a help we don't live through something like that tom i've been seen not no one in my time i guess it's when cano left had a bitter taste in my mouth but yeah it's like lee clearly our team clearly won that one did the right thing but um yeah it's it's uh i respect you i resent that comparison on. by the way yeah, Robinson can Robinson Cano leaving the Yankees. Hey, man, the same he, thing as Tom his, Brady leaving the Patriots. Okay, fair enough. No, it wasn't it, the same it, level, yeah. but when you talk about someone like he was our guy, homegrown Yankee, he really was sure. an MVP type candidate. Obviously, he's not trade said to literally only one World Series, not like Tom Brady six prior to that. That's a fair. That's a fair point. 
But, you know, it was, that's the only time I could remember someone like leaving like that. And, the, the closest I could compare is, although not perfect, I would say Jeter going to the Marlins, although it's post-career. So yeah. it's a little bit different. And they sucked. They are both. They are, yeah. And they suck. They're not in our division. I mean, I mean, the Patriots and Bucks are about as far as apart as you could <laughs> yeah, for divisions right. wise as well. But like Jeter going to another team, there, there was not really much jealousy or anything. I mean, like how much can you be jealous of the Marlins? But Except they did beat us in the World Series. They did. Should've, that that is won. true. That's a good point. That is a good point. So there there should still be a little bit of animosity there. But um, no, you, when someone has dedicated that many years and brought so much to a city, to a team, and a franchise, it's, it's I don't know how, as a true fan, you can want to root against them or to yeah. not show the loyalty in, in some way. Especially when he gives your team Giancarlo Stanton for free. Yeah, that, yeah, that's an added bonus, I mean, Dan. Investigate that. See, that's we why Jeter's better than Tom Brady, because Tom Brady does absolute jack shit for the Patriots now. <laughs> oh, man. You know, hitting on that Patriots, though. So, Patriots didn't make the playoffs for the first time in many years. I, what was it? The 20, his first time since 20 years? 08, since 08, when they, yep, made, they, they just uh, missed it with Castle. Oh, yep. that's right. That's right. Won 11 games that year. Didn't make the playoffs. Pretty, yeah, that, pretty insane. Oh, I hate that. I hate that bug. But yes, yeah, so tough season. Cam Nuna comes in. Uh, you know, I think record he did. He was out because of COVID, but expectations were not met as per usual. But now we've seen your boy Bill Belichick had one of the most insanely active off seasons ever. I mean, bringing so many guys, especially on the defense side of the ball. And now you have the 15th pick. Uh, you have the 15th pick of the first round. So I have to ask you, Dan, where are the Patriots going, you think? Are they getting – are they drafting a quarterback? Are they drafting to getting help on that offensive line? Is Cam Newton, though he was re-signed, does that, necessi- that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be starting quarterback. Where do you think they should go during this draft? What I think is going to happen is I think we're going to see the Patriots are going to take a quarterback in the first round Mm -hmm. and they're either going to take a quarterback at 15 or they might consider trading up for one of the marquee guys to just really, really complete this offense and say, we're going all in right now. What I think is going to happen. I think Bill is going to take his chances and say, we're still taking a first round QB, even though, um, all the the big hype guys are going to be off the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the plan for this coming year is have that rookie sit under the tutelage of Cam for a while, a guy who's been there, a guy who's played in a Super Bowl, a guy who's led a team to an almost perfect season, a former MVP. Um, so we'll do the a guy who has, route. The right, City exactly. Model. Yep. Uh, A guy that, you know, is obviously not at the top of his game at this point, but could have a lot in a, in a a mentorship type role. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if he's not the guy, I think with all the weapons we added to the offense, I think even if cam is under center, that's still a playoff team. So it's, I I think we're going to draft a quarterback, but uh, honestly, no matter where this team decides to go in terms of, who they're going to be under center. I think we're going to be right there with the bills fighting to be uh, on top of the East. Once again, 
Yeah, you uh, pretty much hit what I was going to ask. Where now with that, your expectations now that obviously the big, uh, the big thing, the Buffalo Bills, just a game away from the Super Bowl, making the AFC Championship and making strides beforehand, and add a little bit to their roster as well. Um, you think that this is time? Do you think? Do you also feel like? You know, Bill Belichick seeing Tom Brady win a Super Bowl without him. Is this is he just out for blood even at his, you know, later years in his late sixties? Do you feel that he's not he's not gonna retire until he wins that uh big Super Bowl once and for all? Yeah, so as we've seen already, Tom went down, won that Super Bowl, and Bill just instantly turned into the Michael Jordan. <laughs> I took that personally meme. Yes. Uh just just right away. Um, and I told Tom this, uh, our first episode was breaking down that Super Bowl, And we were talking about what it meant for the future of the Patriots and for the future of Tom. And I said, it's going to take a while because Bill's rebuttal is in a coaching and a GM position. He's going to need time to rebuild this team, but he's going to have his answer. Tom went into a, uh, a pre-built championship contender and got results immediately because he was joining such a stacked roster and putting them over the top by giving them competent quarterback play for the first time in who knows how long. Yeah. But I, I said right then and there before the Pats even made these uh, free agency moves, I said, it's going to take a while, but you're, you're going to hear an answer from Bill before he hangs him up. And it's happening even faster than, I even anticipated. I thought we had another year or two a rebuild ahead of us before we we really got to Bill's uh, Bill's vision for the post Brady Pats. Yeah, that I I feel that you know there was a time you know you heard these rumors that he's ready, he's getting settled in Nantucket, you know after yeah. the whole mess of the off boats. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, after the you know losing to Tennessee a couple of years ago, the final game of Brady, and then I mean, this is giving him extra years. Honestly, it's I it's it's fun to it is fun to watch. And you know, you are playing the the Bucks this season, where they're bringing all twenty two of their starters. Uh, we're still waiting for the schedules to come out, but I'm sure that's going to be the is that is that the most the, the most anticipated game next to Super Bowls in your lifetime for you. Especially the fact that you have the every single starter coming back. Yep, every single starting coming back. It's going to be at Gillette, which adds yeah. <laughs> uh, at Gillette at at a hopefully full Gillette by then. Right. Um, uh, hope definitely will be some fans in the stands, so you'll you'll have the atmosphere. But I I would love to have a fully packed Gillette Stadium for for that uh for that homecoming because. Man, thinking about what that crowd is going to look like. Oh, and yeah. If, like, let's say Gilmore gets burned on a route and Tom throws a 60-yard touchdown pass to put the Bucks ahead, like, what is that crowd going to sound like? I, 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 I am curious. It's something that I, I definitely don't even know the answer to. But I... Oh, man, it's it's anxiety inducing at the same time, thinking about what my mental state watching that game is going to be, what... <laughs> every Patriots fan mental state is going to be going into that game. Uh, it's, I think it's going to be like the Bucks Super Bowl. I'm not going to really know until the day of, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely the, the one you circle on the calendar. No question about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Thomas quickly hitting on our giants. Um, so 
We also had a quite an active offseason ourselves. Not as much Patriots, but, you know, adding huge weapons. You know, Kyle Rudolph's on the squad now. Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay, big win, getting that big push for Daniel Jones. And it seems he probably is the one quarterback who has the most to prove because we have another bad season. It seems that it's time to move on from Daniel Jones. We have a returning Saquon as well. And we have the eighth pick. Some people think, well, Gettleman be crazy. He did draft a running back second overall. Now, this is a very deep wide receiver draft, and we need those weapons still. Is Gettleman going to do the nor uh, beat out the Norman? Is he going to draft a wide receiver very high? Um, what are your thoughts for the draft? Do you think it's time for the Giants? And where the Eagles took a step backwards, it seems the offseason. The Cowboys, at first it seemed, but Dak is coming back. And then the Washington football team seems like they are rebuilding. What do you th- expect for the Giants after exceeding expectations after such a horrendous start last year? Yeah, so I'll, I'll get into all that. First, um, Matt, you're talking about all the weapons that the Giants have added, and the first name out of your mouth is Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> hey, man, he has not dropped a ball in two qu- in two seasons. He's probably but- hasn't had over fifty yards in the last two seasons either. <laughs> hey, man, we saw how bad dropping the ball for uh, Evan Ingram, but you know, fair True. point there. <laughs> True. But, I mean, obviously, the big one is Kenny Galladay, who's also had injury issues, but hopefully. This is the new change of scenery. Hopefully, we'll just blame the air of Detroit on that one. And uh, yeah, your bottom line, the Rapids are key most of all. It was really extremely lacked with that. But you think Daniel Jones in his last chance, his last life, do you think he's going to overcome it? You know, Eli Manning took a while to start the gate. They were patient with him. Or is he going to wind up like his old counterpart, Sam Donald, be shipped elsewhere? Yeah, no, I'm a big believer in Daniel Jones. I think he's got a lot left to show. And I think he, a lot of it, a lot of the potential he can unlock with having Galladay as a number one target, um, probably the most talented receiver he's gotten the chance to play with in his career so far um, or will get the chance to play with. And um, I think it also comes from the drafts uh, like you, uh, you prompted me to. So I think Gettleman, I would be very shocked if Gettleman goes out and gets another wide receiver. I, I don't see the need really. Um, we have now Galladay on the outside, uh, Slayton on the other yep. side. So you got the outside solidified um shepherd on the inside with ingram and you also got kyle rudolph now for blocking and um just another depth piece there um and then saquon in the backfield i i don't think the offense needs much more outside of blocking you know all, all those weapons are great but if you don't have any time to throw those weapons are spoiled so i think I think the number one priority is protecting Daniel Jones as it should be for every, every time you draft a quarterback, you should be drafting his protection along with it. If you don't already have it. Um, uh, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but for guys like Brady that can last so long is that they, they're not knocked on the ground. 
very often and they have time to throw and it's just a big deal when you, when your quarterback is not running for his life all the time, it not only shows in their longevity, but also in their production and performances. Yes. I'm hoping for a stud O lineman to be drafted. Uh, And Gettleman has shown the trend in recent years of drafting a O lineman, making that a priority as well as defense which I think we needed to make a priority years ago when Eli was still here. But no, we'd rather draft undersized tight ends that drop game winning passes. But anyway, mm-hmm. Evan Ingram. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping for an O lineman. Yeah. You know, whether, you know, people think like Landon Dickerson for Bama or you have Rashawn Slater for Northwestern could be some, um, Big picks or the the guy from USC, um, Elijah Vera Tucker, I think. Some mm-hmm. other team got uh, guys projected. We do have a returning Nate Soldier coming back. Uh, you know Andrew Thomas. At first, we thought was go to be the next Eric Flowers, but he did step up towards the end of the season, and can't forget Pert either. Um, yep. Yeah, like I said, we need another guard. Or, or whether it's guard or, or tackle one lineman. And uh, even though we've done the same old song and dance plenty of times, it's time to get back with it. And what I want to think, Dan, what do you think of, you know, fellow Dan and Daniel Jones? How do you feel about it? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been like, oh, maybe he is, maybe he is the real deal. It's only taken him three years for that. <laughs> what are your thoughts of Daniel Jones? I have a very strange large soft spot for daniel jones <laughs> really Ad- admittedly, admittedly <laughs> it came it kind of came from a place of cynicism because i as soon as they drafted him i got such a kick out of giants fans squirming over this dorky looking kid <laughs> that was gonna take over for them at quarterback so like i instantly liked him i like all right yo danny dimes let's go let's go get it and then since then, I read an article. I think it was, I don't know if you guys will know what I'm talking about, but there was some game-winning drive that he was going on in like the first four or five weeks of his career. And apparently the dude just turns into an animal in the huddle when like the game's on the line. Like he <laughs> just absolutely sees red and like goes into full like Tom Brady mode when the chips are down. And ever since I heard that, I'm like, all right, just this weeby looking kid who's taken over for the Giants that apparently just like turns into a beast when <coughs> oh I'm sorry when it all comes down to it um, I've I've loved Daniel Jones pretty much all along all right interesting I did not expect that answer and I want I like a pleasant surprise for that so my last day of football <laughs> we're, and we're gonna talk about this for esports but I'm going to ask you guys, since you are opposite sides, Thomas, who you sports, which football player, New England Patriot player, do you hate the most? Obviously, sports hate. But who, and then we'll then obviously ask Dan, who does he hate the most? But first, Thomas, which football, Patriot football player throughout the years do you hate the most? All time. Yeah, all time. These are all all time. Oh, I got to think about that one. Hmm. There's probably a few. Well, Thomas so decides, do you have an answer already? Yeah, Dan, do you have one? And we're going to do this for the other three <sighs> major league sports as well. So keep that in mind, too. Pure hate for the New York Giants. 
I mean, four, man, look, uh, you know, those four super, uh, two Super Bowl wins, one of uh-huh. the greatest moments of youth. Any one on those teams? Do you hate Eli? So even EPP? though, even though I like him a lot as a guy, um, and he's like done a lot of really good things, uh, like after his career, yeah. I think, I think if I had to point to the one guy that embodies all of my giant soreness from over the years, it's probably Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. <laughs> just he, he embodies like the, he just embodies like the thorn in the side that ruined the perfect season. And, and like, he's yeah, obviously he's really the most likable, the most likable guy on the planet. Um, but like, I don't know, just like, the, the t- between the tooth gap and like how outspoken <laughs> he is about everything. It's just like, I don't know. Every time I see him, I feel like that knife just twists a little bit. So I think that's, that's my answer. That image of him flexing on his last sack of his career right yep. there. Anger though. Yep. Spring. What do you have to say, Thomas, which fo- which Patriot of all time you hate the most? Obviously sports hate is when we're bringing these. I would say probably, I don't know why, it's probably just the vibes I've got from him, but of most recent, probably Kyle Van Noy. <laughs> I don't know why. He just kind he's of back is too. He's yeah, back. He's kind of just obnoxious to me for some reason. Maybe it's because of how good he is. Like I, I don't know. He just kind of sticks in my craw a little bit. Look at um, that. I get it. Like honestly, I love him. He's I love how like ostentatious he is with all of it and i love that he's back but honest to god i get it yeah (laughs) well look at that and we have a very exciting nfl season to look forward to now let's change the f to an h the nhl so obviously this is a new unique year for for our um hockey league for our NHL, you know, obviously you have the Canadian league and the league in America. And then a lot of teams are only playing their regions. And while the Rangers, it's hard to describe where they're at, you know, obviously the deadline came up and a lot of people thought they'd be sellers, but with people like Alexis Nafinier coming in and, you know, still figuring out you're rebuilding, are you going to start from the ground up? That's where the Rangers are at. And literally the next team in the standings, the Bruins as well, more veteran team, you know, still trying to all go off the coattails when they want, they, when they went to the cup a few years ago, losing to St. Louis. Still licking Uh, the wounds from that. (laughs) They are. Tell me, Thomas, where do you see you rocking the Rangers? You know, do you think they have a chance to make the playoffs, you know, in this weird playoff system they're doing? Do you think there's any hope for them? I know a lot of expectate, you know, it's been a weird year. You know, you had the Panarin issues going on, but he came back. So lots of distractions taking place. But how do you feel about your Rangers? Do you feel there's any hope for them to sneak in the playoffs? Do you think they should have been more sellers as the deadline approached? How are you feeling about the boys in blue? No, I think they handled the deadline well. Uh, I think they were, the no moves was a good move for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're they're adding from within with their brought over Kratzoff from the KHL and signed Zach Jones, who just won a national championship with UMass. Um, Kratzoff being a winger who's already made a pretty good impact. He's been up on the top line a little bit. 
And then Zach Jones, who looks like he could be a, a really nice third pairing guy to start right now and sky's the limit. So um, definitely a lot of optimism with the Rangers this season specifically, I would say, yeah, we have a, we have a shot at the playoffs. Definitely. Uh, probably definitely a cautiously optimistic. We not only have to get pretty hot down the stretch, but we also need a little bit of help from uh, teams losing up top. Most notably the the Bruins and the, this, the end of the year is going to be very, very interesting with the race between the Bruins and the Rangers. So really looking forward to that. And while I'm optimistic about making the playoffs with this young team, I'm even more optimistic about the future because this, this team is set up extremely well for the next five plus years. So uh, a lot to be excited about as a Ranger fan right now. All right. All right. And how about you, Dan, the team right up, right above it is your Bruins. You know, they've had some ugly losses this season, but um, still, still keeping afloat as well. How are you feeling about your, your Bruins? So before the deadline, uh, the decline we've been seeing from the Bruins was really, really discouraging because the problems we were seeing from the Bruins are really what kills uh, cup contender teams. Like when it comes down to it, we were having, we were having defensive problems. Our biggest problem uh, which we addressed at the deadline, thank God, was the depth scoring, which the teams that go on and win cups know that you can't do it with one line. You know, yeah. like you need to be productive with those second and third lines. You need them to get clutch goals here and there. Uh, but honestly, if if I had to pick one realistic trade deadline piece for the Bruins to add, it would have been Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall is... He gives the he gives the second line an identity that it's been lacking for most of the season. I know Krejci's been he's been on the up and up. He's been uh, climbing out of his rut a little bit, but Hall really embodies uh, the spirit of the Bruins outside of the perfection line. Mm-hmm. And I think as the season goes on and on, and especially as our defense gets healthy. Uh, as you know, our starters heal up as Tuca here's, uh, heals up as Yarrow heals up. Uh, those holes are going to start to fill in as well. And uh, when our defense gets back to what we know it can be, I think that depth scoring is going to shine even brighter. And we, we addressed our biggest weakness and this was a cup contender team to begin with. So it's, it's another season of uh, bring home the cup or it's a bust for the, for the Bruins. Do you think Hall is more than a rental? I would love to see him stay for another couple of seasons after this. I know it's going to be uh, it's going to be a decent amount of money to get him to stay, um, but I think with the team that we're going to have around him and the time left to go in this season, we're going to have enough info on Taylor Hall to say, all right, is this the guy we want to anchor the second line for the next two, three, four years uh, until, you know, the uh, Bergeron Marchand window closes, which is, you know, uh, four or five years away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see him stay. Taylor Hall's been a, uh, he's been in my upper echelon of players that I like for, for a long time now. And uh 
he he looks really good in black and gold. So I, I would love to see him stick around if he can be if he can be productive and he can be a good uh, a good fit with this team, which he already appears to be. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, it's been fun, and I've you know it's been tough see against some tough losses, but you know really bounced back ever since then. So, um, congrats on the deadline there. Now let's do it again. Dad, tell me which ranger you hate the most. Oh, it's Sean Got Avery. You. It's not even close. It's not even close. <laughs> I I will hate that scumbag until I am cold in my grave. <laughs> like it's one it's one thing to be an asshole uh and just like get the other guy going if you can back it up like Marshand is a great example of a guy who goes out and will get in your head and get go down and do the dirty stuff but at the end of the day he's a filthy player that will go and dangle you into next week sean avery was just a douchebag for the sake of being a douchebag yeah i don't think it, a- avery it, could it, score bro Waving yeah, that stick, he, Avery could score. He wasn't nearly the player that he needed to be to justify all that nonsense, especially <laughs> going after the greatest goalie to ever put on pads. For those, no that, those were an all-time chirps, though. And oh my god, dude, uh, the way yeah. he went up with him and he brought in the uh, was it Brodor's uh, Brodor's history with his wife's sister. Sister, yeah. no, his wife's brother's fiance or wife. Yeah, it was something like that. And he brought that yeah. into it, and he just face guarded Brodor, <laughs> and then now they oh, have the that, Avery rule. Like, come yeah, on, like that backward screen. That oh my! Lord. Like you literally cannot do that in hockey any no longer yeah, because of because Sean, Sean Avery. Avery did it. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. But, oh, I, I hate that too. Sean. And then he scored I a goal him. right after doing it. <laughs> Literally yeah. box. He was boxing out the goalie in that that they've seen. <laughs> but like with the glasses and everything, like fucking shut up, Sean Avery. I could totally see why people hate him. But for me, it's not even a question. It's Brad Marchand, and I would say uh, Chara close second, just because he's just so much bigger than everyone, and like you can't even fight him because he's just huge and he just knows yeah. it. So like I hate yeah. that, but. Um, I've been waiting for the day that someone just rocks Chara, but I, I that day's probably not going to come anytime soon. <laughs> Although I would love them. to see, I would love to see Keandre Miller throw throw down with him. I think they would go toe to toe pretty well. Keandre's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. Chara would still put him in a body bag though. <laughs> probably, dude. He's got mm. that reach. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what is he six seven? Doing this all on skates too. Chara, Chara yeah. I think Chara what on skates is like over seven foot. Oh, exactly. Well, let me see. I th- I'm pretty sure he's he's up there. He's like seven. Now that he's old too, skates. like he's got the he's got the dad strength. Like Char Char is more unstoppable than ever. Was it tough for you to see him go to the Capitals? Definitely, but at the same time, as someone who watched the Bruins almost every night for most of Char's career, um, he some of the plays that he was making just how slow he was it was it was almost tough to watch just the the degradation of of chara's speed and his finesse i mean he's never had speed he's always been a huge guy but just not even being able to keep up with the speed of like an average speed like two on two rush from another Mm -hmm. team like just getting burnt on everyday plays um 
But especially for the price that the Capitals got him, less than a million dollars. Yeah, that's right worth here. it alone for the for the locker room presence and the leadership. So I don't know what the I don't know what the front office was thinking, letting him walk. Um, especially seeing what his market was, but it, it was I, tough. Not as tough as the other departures we've we've had in recent years. But I think it was it, more it so Chara. He didn't want a reduced role with the Bruins, so he was like, "All right, I'm leaving," because he he wants to play consistent minutes and and so so I think it was more on Chara's end. I think the Bruins would have been happy to sign him to a million dollar deal for a year. Mm. Might as well. And by the way, according to this, the height at least is six nine, but you might be right. Plus skates. Most On skates, I think he's like seven foot. Jeez. Well, some people got the juice there. So, all right. Switching from hockey to basketball. Mm. The NBA, again, it has been quite the year. You know, the Celtics, you know, I have to say it seems that the Celtics – Though still up there and still pushing, but, you know, making a deep run in the bubble. And, you know, it's another year adding on with people like Brown and Tatum. Mm -hmm. It's kind of I don't want to say they're, you know, they're only three games above 500. I think it's a little premature to say, you know, you know. Uh, be a low expectation because there's still a lot of season left. But it's been... Different, I'm sure, than you expected, Dan, and uh, very different for you, Thomas. I mean, the Rangers being around 500 really has been a blessing and fun. At the mo- <laughs> uh, at the moment, we are in the playing tournament, uh, ranked eighth in the East, and uh, Celtics are fifth. But let me let's uh, get this back to Dan. Like, Dan, how do you feel about your Celtics in a different? I'm sure your things are different than you expected at this point in the season. There just always seems to be a missing link with the Celtics. Mm. I don't know what it is. And this year is the year that I really thought that was going to change because while we, we have some holes in the roster for sure, but this was going to be the year that no more excuses, no more. He's too young. This is the (laughs) year that it became Tatum and Jalen's team. This is yeah. the year that they were really going to go in and step into those leadership roles and start dropping, you know, um, all the points and the assists that they need to really, really jumpstart this team. And it has been, there have been some positives on that front. Like I think Tatum is taking to the leadership role very, very well, but I, I think there, there's some talent limitations. Um, I, I think the the Celtics are capable of of getting back to at least the East Final. I think it's it's within that locker room to get there. But again, I I don't know what it is. Maybe I just don't know the game well enough. But there always just seems to be a missing link with the Celtics. No, I think I think that's quite accurate. And, and you know, obviously losing Gordon Hayward, but you know you have Kimba now and uh, a tough loss. But yeah, you know another a quiet draft for them you'd think they would add that one more that one more ass is big spot but i don't know i don't know i I don't know how you go but (laughs) i don't know how you go through the east final last year and say we don't need a big like literally we we that series was even competitive let alone losing it because bam and jimmy could just do whatever they wanted up the gut Right. And we had no answers for it. And as you look around the league, like our biggest competition, you have Miami coming back. You have uh, 
probably going to have to go toe to toe with Giannis at some point to get back to that East final. I, I don't know how you don't address that need. It's, and obviously the league is Brooklyn clearly too. shifting in that and, direction. And, yeah. and look what Brooklyn, Brooklyn did. Brooklyn had yeah. DeAndre Jordan and they went out and got Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> like you're telling me the Celtics couldn't have used yeah. one of those guys or Drummond. I, I don't know. Even in Lumb- yeah, what about Boogie? Boogie's still sitting out there, right? He hasn't been signed by anybody. You guys aren't. He just got signed by the Clippers. Oh, he did. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Oh mm-hmm. well, damn, Dan, you gotta, you gotta get uh, damn, the GM Daniel. on the phone. I know. I'm not even saying like I'm blaming them for not seeing the writing on the wall. Like it's here. It happened. Like your team clearly has a weakness that is costing you games that you would otherwise win with your excellent perimeter shooting, and you just you just don't go out and do it. It 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 boggles my mind, especially seeing this happen with the Bruins, which they did address it finally. But seeing that you have this core that has so much potential, knowing that their windows aren't going to last forever, knowing looking at it objectively that there's one or two moves you can make that will. F- like fulfill the rest of it and make everything else worth it. And you just don't do it. It, it, it does. It's never made sense to me and it never will. Honestly, <laughs> how much, how much more patience do you have for this team? Do you think if they don't make a run, is it time to reevaluate things? Did Brad Stevens oh, as Brad Stevens, you know, no one had more momentum when he went from Purdue to the Celtics and making again deep runs, but not getting that finals appearance. How much more patience do you have, Dan, for your Celtics? I watched the 2020 Red Sox. I got all the patience in the world. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh man. Well, fair enough. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it either. You know, oh, they kept Spolst- they kept Spolstra during yeah. a um they kept Spolster during a, uh, you know, rebuild and look what they're doing. So, I mean, maybe Tatum and thing. Brown are the core moving forward and they're 24 and 23 respectively. So, yep. I mean, yeah, like, there's time. They're babies. But, like, right. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not the Boston guy, but I don't think Boston fans should be wanting to blow anything up right now anytime soon they'll find it definitely yeah definitely don't blow it up there's there's way too much potential on this team but i mean to answer your question i've never been a fire brad guy i i i still think he's a genius i think he's one of the best coaches to ever do it but um yeah some some of his decisions are so uncharacteristic it's it's confusing it's another thing where like there's a missing link that i can't put my finger on and it's it's strange really is unbelievable unbelievable but thomas you have to be thrilled with where the Knicks have been pulling off when as soon as Thibodeau took over. I mean, like I said, you do want him to make that push. There was a point, I think they were as high as fourth in the East. And, um, yep. you know, still a lot of games left. We still about a month to go on a three-game winning streak. Uh, play in New Orleans as we speak. But, um, dude, talk to me how you feel about this Knicks and how much joy you're bringing in. Do you think that they can secure a playoff spot? Yeah, it's been really fun this year with the Knicks. It's something we, I haven't really gotten my entire lifetime as a Knicks fan. Uh, So it's very refreshing. Uh, Even getting a top three pick last year where we took RJ Barrett, there was still bitters uh, about it 
by missing out on a uh, John Morant and Zion Williamson. So there was, even when we get a top three pick, there was still resentment and what if there, but RJ's really turned into a pretty good player. Yeah, that 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 shot what the T Wolves gave to him must have changed everything, right? Yeah, I mean, like he's been really good and has definitely surpassed expectations for people. Um, if you're saying he hasn't surpassed your expectations, you're either a liar or the leader of the RJ Barrett fan club because <laughs> I don't think anyone expected him to be at this level um, right now. So he's been a pleasant surprise um, quickly has been amazing. And another guy who came out of nowhere that nobody really expected. Everyone was talking about Obi Toppin coming into this year. Cause he was, you know, mm. the, the first guy we took from the last draft, but it's really been quickly who cemented himself and has been a great contributor to this team. So it, it's fun. Just having competitive basketball as a Knicks fan. It's like, I'll take it. Absolutely, man. And, you know, the core we're building and another thing, you know, talk about trade deadlines, not making a move probably is right for the long run. And, you know, you have quick who could be a legit point guard, you know, still extremely young, but man, that shot is just beautiful to see. And he leaves driving and then having veteran presence like D Rose and Taj Gibson helping us too. And obviously Julius Randall turning into a star in his own right has been such yeah. a ride. Didn't even touch on him, but yeah, I mean, he's having an all-time uh, career year for himself. So it's it's very exciting. And I would love to see a potential, even if we get swept, New York, Brooklyn yeah. playoff series. I think that would be amazing to see. Um, and the, go ahead. I'll say the big thing once and for all is proving that this team is legit and we can finally get those free agents to mm-hmm. come in the New York spotlight. And I don't know about you, you know, good kudos to Brooklyn, what they are pulling off. I mean, talk about if they do not win specifically this year, boy, that's going to be quite, quite an experience for them. But we got to, but I mean, Nick's, Nick's fandom, you know, despite all the, uh, despite all the people who have uh, come through for, you know, to Brooklyn. It's cool to see that the, I feel like New York in general, this area is still pro Nick. So happy to see what they're pulled off. And I think that's going to be the most valuable championship, even a slightly little bit than the Yankees only because Yankees have won so much. Knicks have won since 73, you know, a lot of things have happened since then. And if the Knicks get pulled off, it's a going to be a special day whenever that comes. Uh, yeah. So let's go with it. Thomas. Which Celtic you hate the most of all uh, time? Paul Pierce. <laughs> he's had a couple. He's had quite the couple of weeks. Paul Pierce. Yes, Why yes. Paul Pierce? Uh, largely from his just, and I don't know if it's just him being a marketer and trying to get clicks and, and virality, but just all the the ridiculous stuff that he says when he's like, Oh, I'm better than Kobe. And just all the nonsense that he just spews. Um, just very like skip Bayless esque where it's just like, all right, it's almost plain blatantly obvious that you're just saying this to get to either counter a point or to get people to be like, what are you talking about and share it with everyone? Cause of how ridiculous it is. So that 
part is just like I can't take the dude seriously with his takes. <laughs> Fair enough, man. And you know, wasn't socially distancing in that video we saw. That too. <laughs> Although that video was epic. You, what did <laughs> you think? What did you think of that, Dan? I'm sure you were a Paul Pierce fan, and uh, at some point, legend. <laughs> that's that's my my only my my only statement on the Paul Pierce video. I have to say, Dan, I don't think there's a lot of Knicks to hate on, but if there is, who would that be? I was literally just gonna say that if you came to me for a least favorite Nick, <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, but I actually I did come up with an answer despite the Knicks being on my radar for zero seconds of my life total. Mm-hmm. Um, my least favorite Nick of all time <laughs> is Stefan Marbury because I knew you were going to say ab- Stefan Marbury. Oh, Marbury. Those shoes, those shoes were an absolute disgrace. Oh, <laughs> the Starberries. Blasphemy. There is going to be at some point this decade that complex is putting that Starberry that the complex or the sneakerheads are going to make that popular again. Just there's a reason it, they were fourteen dollars. That's they, all I'll say. People go crazy on the internet for disadvantaged youth stand. Yeah, yeah. Shaq did I that, love, and they I were nice shoes. You don't have to make the worst shoes ever just because they're cheap, Tom. Yeah, but he didn't have Shaq money. <laughs> oh, <That's> true. <laughs> Shaq put his shoes in Payless. He's not saving. He's not saving. He's not. Buying engagement rings for someone. Oh, that was too. All right, let's talk about that video. I, <laughs> that guy was the least excited human being I've ever seen in my life. That guy was just, oh, yeah, yeah. Hi, nice to meet you. No, thank you. I mean, that money you're saved tens of thousands of dollars. You get that. You get a pocket that now. That guy was not that. I, I hope for his sake and for Shaq's sake, I hope off camera, like that was just like the end right. of it. And the you got it was like, I want to buy your engagement ring. And the guy was like, oh. but the, the part of the video that we saw was uh, awful, awful. Oh man. What? <laughs> hey, <laughs> Shaq can always get us talking, but he, he cannot hate that guy. That guy really is is a joy. <laughs> but yeah, one um, of the more likable people on the planet for sure. Absolutely. So let's get into baseball. Oh, this is gonna be fun. What a time it has been. What a couple of decades it has been for our two franchises. Red Sox fan, Yankee fan here together. First, my first thing we're gonna talk about. Who won the fight, Tyler Austin or Joe Kelly? Oh, Joe Kelly fucking smoked him. Yeah, but you see, he was unfairly tripped out there. It was hard to get those right hooks in. I'm just saying, look at the tape. Tyler Austin had all the momentum to run 60 feet, six inches from that batter's (laughs) box. Joe Kelly stood there stationary, waved him on. (laughs) He did. Tyler, Tyler Austin didn't land one shot. I know, but he was tripped to that video. I'm just saying, before he could get that in. That was not even clear. I can't even believe you asked that question. Matt. I can't <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even believe not, I can't even believe that. Not I, I have to say, like J- Joe Kelly is pretty undefeated in, in encounters like that. Between that, the um the frown to the, the Astros, yeah. everything like it all came together. He really that. is a goat. Like he he's a legend for, oh, for all that. I miss him. Oh, the non basically Kelly like the non baseball, he's unde- he's undefeated in all that antics. How about A Rod of Veritech? Veritech 
didn't take that mask off. I would say that's a bitch move in baseball. If you're gonna fight, you gotta throw the mask off. That era puts him in the headlock. But yet Tavia Sturts got just he look, got hit by Gabe Catler. And uh just look at the photo. This the the most famous photo, photo in baseball history. The one of of A Rod putting him in a headlock? No, the one of Veritex smushing his face into his skull. There's also that one that, that you could also put that headlock photo in too. Was but that it, the was that the same fight where Pedro fucking bodied Don yes. Zimmer? Yes. Oh, okay. that was the year it was the year before that one. Oh, that was the year oh, before? Was it? Yeah, ALCS. All right, you talk about an ass whooping. Just like not a he's, fair fight to begin with. He's seven, Don Zimmer <laughs> is a World War II veteran. Don yeah. Zimmer came at Pedro. Don, Pedro care. was just standing. You say, sit down, <laughs> young man. Thank you for your service. <laughs> like, yeah, just, right. Okay. Oh my listen, God. He, listen, 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 listen. What listen, damage listen, is listen. Don Zimmer going to do to Pedro? <laughs> What? <laughs> Listen, Don Zimmer comes at Pedro. Pedro doesn't punch him in the face. Pedro doesn't shove him over. Don Zimmer tries to tackle Pedro Martinez. Pedro just goes, yeah, and gives him a, a traumatic brain injury into the and rolls over into the the Fenway dugout almost. Like, this was over one hundred. Not one hundred percent Don Zimmer's fault. Two hundred percent Don Zimmer's fault. Zero. Don Zimmer zero. completely initiated it. Completely zero to do with Pedro. But like. Like Pedro could have done that. Like he basically he, did. He, 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 he did a little moved. arm work. Yeah, but he he swim moved and like he could have just been like, "Yo, Don, like you're not as fast as you used to be." Like, leave me alone. Like, can yeah. you imagine if Twitter was around? I think Pedro would have been canceled. Oh, he He'd probably throw seventy two year old man to the ground. He probably, yeah, been. that would have broke Twitter. Probably. Oh man, and that fight over. Um, you know, Clemens threw not up and in. He just threw up and then Manny walked up and was pissed. And then he had the yep. Creep Garcia slide it, Todd Walker. He actually did hit him. I'm sure you've seen that John Boy video. It's a good watch. And John Boy oh, said yeah. Pedro, Pedro said that every he said 99 of the pe- percent of the people I hit was on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, as much as I hate your Red Sox, Pedro really is a character. <laughs> <laughs> that you, it's hard to hate on him, and he was one of the greatest to ever do it too. So, are you guys holding out on him being the greatest pitcher of all time, or is that just a universal fact? Pedro, I, I, yeah. I my opinion isn't solidified yet, but yeah, I still have. I need to, to dive work. in a little bit more. Tom's like, uh, my What's my opinion isn't solidified until Garrett Cole retires because <laughs> uh, because who like you know he's. <laughs> I mean, oh, if, God. best Pedro is up there, but if you were going with the Sandy Koufaxes of the world, the uh, Udo, Nolan uh, Ryan, Nolan Ryan, if we're going there. But you know, he definitely, he. I won't be fair. He is up there, top ten for sure. But never forget, top of the eighth or bottom of the eighth. Oh three, game seven. But I understand. Then the next disastrous year for us. 
Oh, yeah, man. and then you decide that that home run is enough to hire him as a goddamn manager. Hey, man, Booney, we trust. The I only qualification Aaron Boone had for that job is he hit one home run 15 years prior. Hey, man, but what about his ESPN work? And I mean, 100 wins in the in 162 game seasons. He's had over 100 wins twice. And, you know, I really can't remember the number for the 60 game season. Do you remember, Tom? All the time I had no, but it was, I mean, he had, they had a good record. I don't know why I'm even convincing you guys though. They won the division. Fans hate Boone too. <laughs> yeah, is. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Boone guy, but I mean, Dan, he was also qualified just for basically Cashman to run the team with him as being the puppet. But <laughs> exactly, that was the other. Exactly, that was the other qualification he had. But yeah, it's. I'm not the biggest Aaron Aaron Boone fan. And I think really, like, why is that, way, Tom? Just wondering. Just for a lot of the reasons that we've kind of alluded to now, it, there's just something about him that doesn't do it for me. I love how much he stands up for his players and all that, but mm-hmm. these teams have just lacked something. And we keep them the, the very same. <laughs> yeah, like, and it doesn't seem like they're progressing and they're taking steps forward. So I, I don't know. I think they're just, there might be a need for. I think I think if they have a disappointing year this year, I think Boone definitely his job needs to be taken into consideration here and be like, hey, yeah. what are we what are we doing with the, with these guys moving forward? That, f- fair point, Tom. Fair point. And I mean, this is the last year for everything. No one patience is done after this. We're now pushing five years with this baby bombers. Uh, I mean, you know, the last four seasons in a row. I mean, heartbreaking playoff losses. It's been a dark turn, even though two of them was cheating teams. And uh, I have to give your stupid Red Sox 2018-108 team credit. They were just a straight-up better team. But, um, yeah, Tom, right now Yankees aren't last as of this moment, which is uh, annoying. I reckon it is early April, and I believe – I don't know. I believe Yankees are going to do what they normally do. Like, they'll win – in May, like 23 of 25 or something, the next or they'll like just go on this insane streak, get that 100 wins, and then it's all up in the air from there. But um, how do you feel, Tom? Are you in panic mode yet? Some people are in panic mode. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I'm fidgeting in my seat. Mm. I will say that. I'm not... I'm not jumping off ship, but I'm getting antsy. I, I will say, and it's still very, very early. But and and the hitting will come. This lineup is just too good to not hit. But and it's funny because the hitting is the problem now, and it's not so much the pitching. But I really think that's going to correct itself. I think the hitting is going to come, and then the pitching is really going to show itself. So. I'm a little uneasy. I still think we could win this division, but they the bats need to wake up. That that's for sure. And we need to go out and get a pitcher in some way. Yeah, we need to have or our have pitcher, guys step up. And our pitchers need to go way deeper as well. I mean, I saw I heard the start of the game while I was watching the game today, and Michael K said, Yeah, it was like the starting pitching ERA is above six for everyone except Cole, who was at like one, at like one, 1.5 in the first few weeks. I mean, 
you're right. <laughs> While we have new pitchers, we also have pitchers. The two big additions are pitchers who, you know, weren't pitching last year. They obviously have their potential when they hit everything on peak. They are um, they, their Cy Young Award winner. One's a Cy Young Award winner and one's very talented, you know, was the best for Pittsburgh at his time. Uh, what I mean, we miss it. To, no more Tanaka. I mean, we did do the right thing with Pax to get rid of him because he's in uh, uh, getting Tommy John and we wish him a speedy recovery. But uh, who do you think, whether it's from teams that we're probably looking at or sellers, who, who are you, who would you like to see, picked up from the star rotation do you think um maybe get another lefty lefty southpaw in there which we don't have a, uh as a starting pitcher that is is it just putting Devi garcia back up is it giving more patience domingo herman where do you see is the solution for our rotation honestly i i don't even know who will be available off the top of my head mm. um yeah, a lot could change. Go, to, going into there, trade so. deadline, yeah, I think it's still a little too early to, to figure that out. But um, definitely, I don't think you have much to lose by giving Debbie a few uh, starts here and there. And when he gets healthy, uh, Clark Schmidt, I, I I love this guy, Clark Schmidt. I think he could be really good. He's the Yankees, one of the Yankees' top pitching prospects. He's pitched extremely well in uh, the games that they played last year, the inner squad games and just watching some of his film and he's got good stuff. So I would love to see him potentially blossom into like a number two behind Cole. I think that would be absolutely amazing. Solid, solid. And, and, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be back anytime soon, but missing Severino is big. Mm-hmm. Like people forget cause he's hasn't pitched in basically two years, but Severino is a top pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and like getting him back would be awesome, but that's probably looking more so for next year. That could be the secret sauce, man. That could be the secret sauce. And hopefully. Uh, also, how do you feel about Glaber? It seems that the for initial that we always worry about his defense and we have not seen uh, um, anything to be comfortable with yet. Obviously, no, they got I, rooting in a... Sorry, I, I don't like Glaber at short. I don't. I, I think mm-hmm. he's a great second baseman shortstop. He's makes me very uneasy. Now, uh, do you think we should, if a, a team, you know, our sellers, is it time to get that big shortstop? You know, looks like the Rockies are going to be god awful. Is it maybe we should try to get tra- Trevor Story in there? That uh, it, it would be interesting, but the Yankees infield is so crowded to begin with and adding Rudnit Odor too. And well, I mean, Odor would be, he'd be the guy on the bench, but like, so you, you get story. Okay. So then Glaber goes to second or LeMahieu stays at second. Like one of those two guys either has to DH or LeMahieu has to go to first Mm -hmm. and then, okay. Then Voight, I guess DH is when he's back. But then yeah, what happens with Stanton <laughs> and like it's you have to it's like whack-a-mole like you put you plug one guy in and then one guy pops out and you, you like they don't have that perfect mix uh, of positions w- within the lineup and it's tough. I I don't know. It, it is really tough. 
Yeah, I guess that this, you know, a lot of the things we're talking about will just get fixed through time and really May, June, where we could really freak out. But um, I'm just curious, Tom, how do you feel about Yankees re-signing Brett Gardner? Do you think it was, you know, we have this extra outfielder now? I mean, he did make he's, we've seen some, he made some cool plays when he's played, but. Mixed emotions. Do I like Brett Gardner as a depth piece? Yeah. He, he's a solid bench guy to have to be able to you know go in there and have left-handed at bats and semi-productive to above average at bats but knowing Boone that's that's never what was going to happen like <laughs> he's already I and mean, Clint hasn't hit well but he's already taking at bats yeah. away from Clint Frazier and too. like Clint Frazier is basically he's like the metaphor for him, he's a grown man, and, and but is still viewed as a kid because, I mean, all these guys right. are grown men, but he's he's like a rookie, and he's like <laughs> 28, 29 years old because he's never gotten a chance. And he was a top prospect in baseball. Yeah, like big. When we deal. got him in the deal. So, like, it's unfathomable to me to, that a top prospect in baseball hasn't even really got a consistent shot yet. Right. And he has shown in the limited time that he's had that he can hit. He he had 12 homers one year where he played like a quarter of the season. Like that's mm-hmm. a 30 homer year. Right. That's like, that play that's, the kid. That's the thing. Let him Tom. struggle. Like, Listen, everyone I, else is. So like, let him struggle and learn. Right. That's what I think with getting Stanton. I said before I didn't want to acquire him because of this very issue we have. And Stanton has been A-Rod in the sense that he hits whole, he hits home runs, obviously, when we're up by eight already. Now, he to be fair, he was clutch in the our two playoff, in our three playoff games he was. in 2020. But, and I'm not trying to push away the guy. He's so talented and everything, but this was such an avoidable problem. And also adding the fact, none we have such a right-handed heavy lineup it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a mystery, and I guess we just have to wait for these games to file out. You know, going back to the stadium this weekend, and I just hope we'll have a better sense and not get this antsy like we have been in the upcoming weeks. Now, Dan, you're a Red Sox man. Yeah, let's talk about something fun and not depressing. Ah. <laughs> uh, your team hasn't lost on the road yet. As we're recording this, nine in a row, still doing a doubleheader now, you know. Looking and in like a row, they won, the, they won the third game. So they did win. So, okay, yep. great for you. So 10 in a row. <laughs> Look, the over-under was only 80 and a half. Nobody, you know, no sale. Uh, questioning, what is J.D. Martinez? And you know, he's he's play like it every he's done he's washed last season come on jd's best days are behind him dude last (laughs) season do you see do you see that bum last season jd is over my guy (laughs) yeah that's i mean that's the question a lot of things to question there or what's devers and all that you lose ben attendee but yet Mm. you guys are scored runs you're hitting you know are pitching well uh, how are you feeling about this? Is this legit or is it like, you know, the Mets of 2018 started on 11 game Woody Street and then they fell flat on their face? What is the situation here? I tried to tell people, Matt, 
I tried to tell people all off season how nasty this lineup was going to be mm-hmm. and how there isn't a safe spot one to nine against this Red Sox team. And, you know, a couple players are still taking time to warm up. Like Dahlbeck had an awesome spring and he hasn't really warmed up yet. Uh, Kike's starting to get there. I think he's eventually going to be the leadoff guy that uh, mm-hmm. that we're missing with the Benintendi role. I'm wearing his jersey right now. This just came in today. But yeah, uh, yeah this last year, this lineup was just as good. The Red Sox led the league in hits and batting average, the American league. I'm sorry, in hits and batting average last year. And nobody noticed and nobody cared because the pitching was giving up 10 a night and the Red Sox were irrelevant because of it. And now you're starting to see that the rotation is going out and having good starts. Nick Pavetta being an unreal addition so far, holding down the bottom of that rotation. Uh, the bullpen stepping up. Matt Barnes is turning into the closer that nobody thought he could be. Uh, the pride of Bethel, Connecticut, by the way, the town over from Danbury. I used to work there. Love mm-hmm. me some Bethel. Love me some Matt Barnes. But now you're starting to see the power that this lineup can have when the pitching allows them to be as good as they are. And... I mean, in terms of it being sustainable, I mean, the Red Sox have put up, we, we recorded on Monday uh, and it's, it's only gotten worse since, since uh, we recorded then, but since the Red Sox got swept by the Orioles to start in the <laughs> next six games, they put up 53 runs. And is that sustainable? Yeah. No, but I think the consistent production of this lineup and uh you know, the big hitters coming back in a big way is sustainable. And I think, you know, the Cora effect is having a a huge (laughs) impact as well with him being back and bringing all these guys back together and uh, really building the fun in the clubhouse again. The Red Sox are having fun again. They had, there was not one ounce of fun had at Fenway Park last season. On the field or off the field, and nobody you lost had amongst that too. And I guess it's nobody like, was having fun anywhere. Now you look in that lineup, like they're pushing JD in the cart through the dugout. Like <laughs> this team's having fun again, and I think that's uh, one of the biggest things that Alex Cora brought back was just the belief that they can go out, they can have fun, be a good baseball team, play good baseball, and. Just a lot of things that Red Sox fans who've been watching for the last two years or so that knew that this team could achieve and had the potential to achieve, it's finally clicking in the early stages of the season now. And it's it's been really, really fun to watch. The Red Sox are the most fun in baseball right now. Yeah, fuck that, but... I can't can't <laughs> deny it's uh it's something else. Like I said, overall there was eight and a half, and you're already a tenth of the way there. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's only mid it's mid April. So yep. Oh boy, well, that's a bet. I wish I should have said. Even that would have been a hard for Pride wise, but that would be a great payday. Um, mm-hmm. well, now the big moment. Dan, tell me the New York Yankee you hate the most. Oh man, I I really should have started thinking of this earlier because man, <laughs> there's just so man many. are there ca- man are there candidates? Can we um, can we go through multiple, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Say as many allowed? as you want. You know, yeah, feel free. We, it we doesn't have, have to be one particular. We might need a whole new a episode for them. this. Please let um, it out. Let it out. I'll go Veritech. 
I'll go Pedro just for the Don Zimmer alone. I fucking hate Pedro. You're embarrassing yourself. For the Don Zimmer. That's <laughs> come on, bro. That's like throwing your grandfather to the ground. Like it's ultimate dis- disrespect. Like, come on. Don Zimmer is the grandfather of the Yankees. Yeah. Um, maybe even like Kevin Millar. Fuck Kevin Millar. I mean, don't just, you gotta, you gotta get better at hating, Tom. Just fuck Kevin Millar. Fuck Kevin like, Millar. <laughs> I don't know. Just t- another like Kyle Van Noy type where it's like, I mean, he wasn't like as good as Kyle Van Noy, but what about Big Poppy? Don't like Steroid him. user tested positive. Yeah, true. Poppy's on there. The same. What one thing? With yes, I know A Rod's tested too, but but Poppy um, never got the backlash that. A Rod, yeah, not that not that he true. deserves it, but Poppy deserves a little bit, and I feel like everyone loves Poppy. It was like, well, guys, he was juicing too, and he gets none of it. Yeah, they which that, I don't they understand. Literally po- push that under the rug. Yeah, I get A Rod wasn't a very likable guy. I guess everyone just hated him from the start. <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't get it. How even from like Yankee fans that like people for just forget. You're like, oh yeah, that guy juiced. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I I like to remind it because, you know, that's what they, they all say about, you know, A-Roid. But I know a lot of A-Rod's criticism. He also, though he himself admitted he, he's wrong to it, he, you know, with the lying on camera and on the air with my friend Sessa and then, you know, doing all of those, these weird, he just wanted to be Jeter number two. But it just that shows that some people are just in certain categories. You know, for sure. And, uh, uh, but I hate David Ortiz the most for sure. I mean, I have a lot of respect for the guy. I really do. And I was genuinely sad when I heard he got shot in the Dominican Republic and was happy to hear he made a full recovery. Uh, but man, he's got a lot of, uh, ang- anguish. He's put a lot, it's a lot of hell. I mean, 04 really is an eyesore. Like, I have this kid, this guy, I'll say his name, Brad, my buddy Brad, most annoying red suffix. I know he's not a true baseball fan, but he specifically comes at me under my skin and he'll say to himself, and every time he says 04, I said, you can't even name anyone on that team besides Manny or Poppy. But I'll still say it anyways. Uh, Josh Beckett. <laughs> Another guy I'll put on that list. What? Fuck, yeah. Uh, celebrating. He's, it's sad. He's the last, last World Series. He's the one celebrating at the old Yankee Stadium. Dan, who are yours? Man. I'm very interested. Yeah. Who okay. are the Yankees you hate the most? Bubble Cross. So, uh, yeah, A Fraud and Jeets definitely headline the class. But <laughs> what about uh, Jeter do you hate? I need to dive into that a little bit. I'm going to, you know what, Tom? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you one moment that completely encapsulates my hate for Derek Jeter. So, very famous play that resulted in a very famous picture. Oh, my Derek Jeter. I already know this, where you're going. This encapsulates the everything I hate about Derek Jeter. Pop fly to third base. Derek Jeter's ball. Derek Jeter catches the ball in fair territory and then dives into the stands like an idiot. Hey, man, he has some momentum running in there. Because I remember seeing said, that live. I actually saw he that. Said, you know, that was like, this is going to be 
This is going to be framed in sports bars. Damn straight. I'm going to catch this ball in fair Damn. territory and dive into the stands. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's he no had, Red like, Sox two steps before the wall, bro. Oh, you think he God. was like, yeah, let me go and just demolish <laughs> my beautiful face into yeah. these seats and fans' bodies. And he missed like a month because of it. Let me just miss a month also, of baseball. Also, I hate also uh, his staged uh, final hit at Yankee Stadium. That was part of it. Oh, I'll oh, put on your tinfoil hat for me, Dan. Absolutely. How they one thousand percent. How how yeah. is that stage? That All right, that's that's serious uh, allegations. That's game fixing allegations. Uh, a man you may have heard of who runs the entire league named Joe. Oh, Corey. shut up! You can't use that with everything. <laughs> Get out of here! Joe everything. Torrey. It's like oh, the socks lose. Damn it, Joe Tory. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, top top three things, top two things that need to be investigated: that and uh, Jeter sending Carlo to the Yankees. That, top, top that, that would things. definitely have to deserve, be investigated. that deserve federal investigations. Um, sure. But to round out my least favorite Yankees, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll include an active one. But he definitely he's in the same stratosphere as the the other headliners for me. Uh, I love me to hate some Araldis Chapman, man. Oh, I yeah. love, I love. I hate seeing, him too. <laughs> I, I love seeing yeah, him. Yeah, I hate him. I, again I hate Chapman. and again and again and again, just without fail. You know, on both te- on not more than one team that too it, it really is amazing how they still trust this guy and then are the one guy can make that replacement zag britain out it's not coming back till may i mean if chapman what is this this will be fifth times a charge 16 blows in the world series uh did a blow in a 17 or 18, but 19 laughing, even though Jose altuve is wearing a buzzer obviously yep. then 2020 I mean, fourth time's a charm. What can I say? Like, I'll never forget. I was it. I was watching on this TV in this apartment, the Yankees and the Rays, when the Rays had the chance to send them home. Literally, even even as like someone who clearly roots for this to happen and is like, yeah, he's gonna blow it again. I was watching that game like, there's no way he does it again, is there? <laughs> The like there's fucking there's no, smile and laugh again too. Like there's no way he actually blows this again and sends the Yankees home again against the Rays. No way. No, like, like that'd be cool, but it's like, come on, you can't, you can't have everything, and then over the wall, and I lost my mind. I absolutely lost it. Well, thanks for sharing, Dan. Oh, it was a great day. It was a great day. Go fuck yourself. Yankee Elimination Day, just, man, one of my favorite days of the year. And it does come every year without fail. History's going to change, as Marty McFly said once. So, last thing, just want to hit in baseball, Jerry. What the hell's going on in baseball? Why do they like to – baseball, why do they like not to have fun? You – First, Nick Cassiano on the Reds. He poses two-game suspension. You are fucking stupid. This is the, the guy is making you viral. 
and you suspend him. We have umps making blowing calls, looking at the review and still blowing calls where you have enough evidence to show it should be overturned. I see a situation uh, right for Twitter now. That's the case. It seems the uh, I mean, is it the Braves again? I saw a job boy just posted right here. We have another blown call. Uh, oh, yeah, where he was. They called him safe when he didn't even touch home plate. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, Braves again. It's funny. They're always the Braves. Huh? Braves Marlins. And uh, I mean, why? What? What? What's Rob Manford? The guy with the no balls whatsoever of all the commissioners. And that's saying something. But, guys, why is baseball just doing this themselves? We know we're going to probably have a work stoppage. And you just – any chance you can make the game fun, you just have to suspend someone. You have to find them. You have to make someone look bad. Doesn't baseball want to be popular? Doesn't baseball not want to be fall in the cracks? They what, do, but their on? actions don't match up with their words yeah because they you know the whole ad and marketing campaign last year was around the young guys making baseball fun again and they mm-hmm. brought griffey into it you know because griffey made baseball fun back in the 90s backwards hat and everything but baseball is not they don't make it fun because they deter people from bat flipping or showing yeah. up the pitchers when a pitcher can just as well show up a hitter if they want to, and there's no retaliation. So I don't know why they get into a hissy fit for when a, when a batter does it. It only adds the excitement, and it's awesome. I, I don't know a fan who doesn't like it really. Like if you do, it, it's a boomer who who just doesn't understand right the entertainment aspect of it. Mo? And then um, just they they think that shortening games will attract fans, but they have collectively in the NL, the pitchers, I retweeted this today, are batting like a buck 18 this year so far with like a near 50% strikeout rate. Mm. People don't want to see hitchers, people don't want to see pitchers hit. Like add another DH, you're adding more jobs for DHs to to um, make a career out of, which because Big Poppy is an example. He's not in the league if there is no DH. He's just not. No one's putting him at first base. And David Ortiz never has a a Hall of Fame career. So you're literally giving the opportunity to employ 15 more baseball players that wouldn't have the chance because they can't field and they don't have a position, but they could break. Great. Good for baseball. More offense. Great for baseball. I don't – and I don't buy into the – argument that well strategy and the sanctity of the game it's it's complete nonsense just modernize the game and be just a little bit conscious of where people really want the game to go instead of the select few that think the purity of the game is at stake which no one cares about no nobody wants to see a sacrifice bunt from a pitcher when there's bases loaded like Mm -hmm. nobody wants that yeah or pitcher get injured when you're paying Jacob DeGrom yeah. a lot of money to win Cy Youngs and he gets injured for swinging a bat or running the bases, mm-hmm. like that's what it's going to take. It's going to take Kershaw, the end of his career, or DeGrom in the middle of a Cy Young run for people to come up in arms and be like, this is stupid, like really stupid, and we need it to change. 
strokes on you, baseball. God's changed your ways. I have a very strong opinion on that, if you can't tell. (laughs) They got to stop pulling the Twitter clips, too. That's one of the biggest things. Yeah, social media is a whole other thing. It's complete short-term money grab. It's so hard for them to show these clips and stuff. Yeah, people free advertising of your sport. It's mm-hmm. awful. It's terrible. You know, it's, when you have the most like Twitter clippable game out of anything. Yeah. Like even people who don't like sports like watching like like I could show my mom like a monster home run and she'd be like, oh, wow. Absolutely. Whereas like if I showed her like like a one timer from Bergeron, she couldn't give a less <laughs> of a shit. Like you want to shorten the game and make more bang for your buck well like highlights are awesome so package them in highlights and let people package those highlights because those highlights are entertaining maybe a full-length game for a non-baseball purist isn't but letting people share oh did you see this pimp job by like acuna today and did you see he beat out a a ground ball to first base or sorry a ground ball to shortstop to first base and he he ran to first base in 2.9 seconds like that's cool let's let it go viral and let organic reach happen but no they need their their buck for everything that they send because they got their trademark on it yeah it's just terrible for the sport and growing it that's why John Boy's the last straw to help these highlights cool and making funny commentaries, showing mm-hmm. the personalities of the players. Like baseball would have to uh baseball owes everything to John Boy making that relevant. It's like uh Definitely. it's like Funhouse for Mike Francesa. Would he be as popular without him? <laughs> and he actually banned his clips for a while, and then let's yeah. be real. They were they realized that oh yeah, no one's no one's going to whatever intercom Twitter, they're going through right. Funhouse to do it. And that's what exactly baseball's thing with Tomboy doing that, you know? Definitely. Hundred percent. Oh man. Guys, we've been killing it. We've been killing it for over two hours. And yeah, man, marathon sesh. I was just looking at it. I was like, yeah, wow. Two and a half right now, pushing. Pretty yeah, insane. I hope you've been enjoying it. This has been much faster than if than the time it feels like. And I hope you've been enjoying as much as I have. Like we just have to finish our last questionnaires. Awesome. So we'll start with Dan in the Prouse questionnaire. Your big debut. Just simply ten short but sweet questions. And Dan, I just let me ask you them. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. You ready? Absolutely. My first question on the Prouse questionnaire for Dan is what's your favorite word? It's, it's, it's cute. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the preface, uh, but my favorite word is together. Yeah, that's a good one. Why, why together? Because like just the significance of it and how, um, really like at the end of the day, we're, we're all on this rock together and Mm -hmm. what we do together to build and fulfill is, is like really what matters at the end of the day. So that's, that's my favorite word. I hear that. I hear that. Great. What's your least favorite word? Oh, um, my least favorite word. Oh, hmm. So, like, my natural inclination is moist, but like, I'm not a huge like, ugh, moist guy. Yeah, but like, I don't know. That's what my brain says. In a word, too, in their everyday lives. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
so I guess that's my answer because I don't have another one readily available. But I, I think the the moist type is very overplayed. <laughs> I agree. Good one. Good it one. It shouldn't make people that uncomfortable. Agreed. So this is a more life and fulfillment question, not a sexual question like some people have <laughs> assumed. Where, all right. But, but some people have said sex for this. I'm so excited that, for this question. And that's just hilarious. <laughs> but what turns you on in this world, Dan? When you're talking to somebody that about something that they're passionate about Mm -hmm. and when you're making eye contact with them and as they're talking, you can kind of read their eyes and see that little bit of twinkle and that Mm -hmm. enthusiasm that they talk about it with. I like, I get off on that shit like that. Even if it's something that I'm not particularly interested in, I love talking to people about things that they give a shit about just because it's not terribly cool to get like really be invested in things anymore. And as someone with a lot of hobbies and uh, honestly more things that I'm into than I have time for it, it's, it's something that I I really, really enjoy. Great. That's, that's what turns me on. Great answer on there. Great, great answer. Um, Thank you. Next. What turns you off in this world? What turns me off in this world is not going out and actively trying to be the best version of yourself, right? Whether that be professionally, whether that be personally, if you have something in your life that you could easily, maybe not even easily, but you could pursue, you say, I'm not happy in my job. People who just say, yeah, I guess that's kind of the way it is. And like, I'll find fulfillment in other places. And I guess I kind of just have to get through and not saying I'm going to put the work in to find a job that fulfills me or like, I wish I could like stop smoking or like a huge one I hear all the time is like, oh, like I I wish I could like go to the gym, but I just don't have time. Like just just that's a fucking lie. Yeah, just like the the simple, super transparent excuses that people make to not like go out and really get after it. it it's so prominent and it, it turns me off really quickly. That's one of the best answers I've heard to that question. Thank, Thank you, you for that, Dan. Appreciate that. What sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise do I love? Um... Let's see. So, a um, little bit off the sports uh, beaten path here, mm-hmm. but uh, my dad's favorite sport is NASCAR. And oh, we've been right. going to races together since I was eight, nine years old. Nice. And like when I hear like just being out in the grandstands and hearing like the engine mm-hmm. rev up and like everybody go crazy over it, that. It, it ties into my love of like crowds in general that I get from like my sports and concerts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it also like makes me think of, you know, going out and having an adventure with him. So that's, that's one of my favorite sounds for, for sure. That's Just a like great one. Yeah. What's it like seeing those cars genuinely move 200 miles an hour back and forth? It's, it's pretty crazy. Like if, if you have never done it before, I'm not going to say it's for everybody. It's not something I'm going to say everybody should do, mm-hmm. but it's a spectating experience that isn't really replicable anywhere else. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I would love to go to a NASCAR it's, race. It's I, like, I, like cool. the, 
I love the horse racing. So, um, oh, gotcha. I do have the patience for that. We have uh, behind me America Pharaoh and Secretariat. So, okay, I love so you, you actually like horse racing. You don't just like money. Oh yeah, no, I love just. Yeah, it's so majestic how these creatures are worth millions of dollars and they're just living their best life. And then you, <laughs> you're done. You're retired by three years old. And then, you know, you, we obviously know you make babies for the rest of your life. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, of Going course, the game, of course. <laughs> right. If you bet horses, you don't like money because you just lose money all the time. Yeah. You have to, you have uh, to like, okay. I mean, that's that's a crapshoot. I mean, it is crazy. Some of these odds they come together and and win, and that the it's just two and a half minutes to uh, on your feet. So, mm-hmm. if you really want those headaches, be my guest. But I just like the competition. I really do. Yeah. What sound or noise do you hate? Let's see. Okay, so I know it's comparable to nails on a chalkboard, <laughs> but nothing sends like my nervous system into a tailspin more than, you know, like when you're eating dinner and you have your fork and your knife on your plate and like your fork slides a little bit and it makes oh, that yeah. nails on a chalkboard noise. It's different from nails on a chalkboard, but that like shuts my body down, that mm-hmm. noise. Like yeah. it's oh that, uh, that's where my mind went. I'm having really weird answers for a lot of these questions, but no, that, that's probably my my least. Oh, that's yeah, they're great answers, answer. man. I really like your. This is one of the more enjoyable ones. Yeah, you really have something to say with it. So thank you for <laughs> it. Um, what's your favorite curse word? Oh, great question. I mean. You know, you you get a question like this, you feel like you want to go a little bit obscure, like you want to pull <laughs> you want to pull something something that like is a little bit off the beaten path in, but when it comes to s- how satisfying it is to say how versatile it is and just how it's like the undisputed king of swear words, like it's fuck it's not even close. Yeah, it's really no one is in fucks league. It like it's 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 got its own stratosphere in the in the swear world. It really is one of the greatest words ever created. It's one of the best words ever. Yeah. Not even just swear words. Literally, man. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What profession other than your own? And we'll count what you do in higher ed and what you do here in podcasting. But what other what profession what profession other than the ones you do already would you like to attempt would i like to attempt um so i've i've been a musician most of my life um and it's always i play uh guitar is my main instrument uh Mm -hmm. but on the side i do drums and bass Uh, i'm not quite as good as i am on the guitar but um yeah, I've I've played music since I was around 10 years old and it's never something I've ever viewed as more than a hobby. Um I don't think I quite I have passion for it, but not the kind required to really go out and pursue it as a career. But if if like um everything else in my life were no object, uh that would be something I would really like to invest the time and the energy in and get better at and uh try to like start a band or be a studio musician or something like that. How about that? How about that? Cool. Um, yeah. What profession would you not like to do? 
Hmm. What I definitely not want to do. It's funny because there's, I'm generally a pretty open-minded person. So there's not a lot that I won't at least like hear about if not try. So it's, it's hard to say from the outside, something I'm like totally closed minded to, but, uh, I guess, Oh, I've always wondered how, uh, like morticians and funeral directors like get up and do what they do every day. That's a good one. Yeah. Like, I've been waiting for a long time for someone to say that. I like, I and, like and making that your, your life's work to just work with people going through the worst time in their lives. Yeah, very much. I, I, it's, it's kind of unfathomable to me. It really is. Yeah, every single day of different, and it shows that grief, grief, grief is for everyone, no matter where this, where you are in your life. And yeah, I have, I've wondered that for a long time too. Dan is how they do it, and it's it's crazy what we have to do in our worlds to to get this cash. But I feel even like for something like that, I'm sure there's a way you could spin it to where you're like, oh, you see like a different part of like the human condition than most people see or mm-hmm. like you get to see you know sides of the human spirit that like you don't get to see when you're just like working in a regular job and working with people who aren't going through times like this or don't deal with something as morbid as death like even with something as like black and white terrible as like running a funeral home mm-hmm. i'm sure there's some way that you could be like you know what it's actually pretty fulfilling Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's, that's I hope we can get productive conversation out of that with someone someday and, and learn that aspect. And my final question for you, Dan, today, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Wow. Um, man, I wasn't expecting to end on such a <laughs> such a deep wrenching no um that's how you know with this show uh just like hey for the most part like you treated people the way you wanted to be treated and like you did it good job great like, answer man just just hearing like some validation i'm like you know what you the, the whole human thing you did it you did it fairly well look at just, that Something like simple and reassuring like that, I guess. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. And also one thing, there's a perfect game alert with Carlson Doe, not one, not one base runner in yeah, eight innings. So yeah, he's got a no hitter. Look at that. So um, also Thomas. Yes. Now your questionnaire to end this epic classic episode off. Mike, so, let's do it. The Eric Andre questionnaire. So excited for this. What's funny and that really helps Thomas is the fact that you aren't familiar with Eric Andre or his show. So this makes it even easier or maybe more absurd depending how this goes. So Eric Andre show simply my favorite late night talk show of him doing what Ever you, you the craziest, most grotesque things you could think a humans could do without being cruel and mean. And Eric Andre asks literally the weirdest questions ever. That's saying something. So to honor the great 
Eric Andre. We do the Eric Andre questionnaire for returning guests of this show. So this is directly from his show. These are his questions, not mine. I'm going to ask you them. Answer them however you please. There's no right or wrong answer. There are some pretty absurd questions. But again, just give a warning. you. These aren't mine. These are his. But it's just funny to see what you have to say. So ready, Thomas, the Eric Andre questionnaire? Let's do it. Okay. You said it. Let's do it. (laughs) Man, let's start. What do we start with, man? On the thing on this list, we'll start. We'll we'll let it grow. We'll grow. So Just let it fly. My first one: Would you, it, when you go for a whiz, do you get a sense of Khalifa? <laughs> what is Khalifa? Hey, that's what the question. That, what does that even mean? Answer the question, Tom. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. That's number one. Number two. Are you familiar with Bukaki? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Tom, I'm actually I'm on. not. Can you explain it to me? <laughs> yeah. In as much detail as possible. It's is it? It's like a very absurd act. <laughs> Wait, is, what? Whatever do you mean? Isn't it like shitting in someone's mouth? Oh, you actually don't know what it is. <laughs> all right, then I don't. I thought I did. Uh, uh, oh, all right. It almost the tables. So when one mom, and, well, when one lady and, uh, and five other guys like like each other very very much. And, uh, uh, oh yeah, there we go. And uh, with consent that she. How do I say this Uh, without being blunt? And they all then they uh, just imagine. (laughs) Imagine if you had a fire hose full of ranch dressing. That's what it looks like. Great. Yes. It's a it's a a ranch Uh, dressing party. I'm I'm yes. All right, Which, next question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, number three. Um, what's your cell phone number? One eight hundred five eight eight three hundred Empire. That's my <laughs> great answer. Great answer. All right. You also would have accepted 1877 cars for kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. Number four. Would you titty fuck Martha Stewart? <laughs> yes, I would titty fuck Martha Stewart. <laughs> That's the sound bite. <laughs> he asked, I think, Method, he asked some rapper that. He said, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what's the farthest you ever gone with the girl? <laughs> All the way. What, what other is there? <laughs> My man. My favorite. When I ask that people like to do geographic locations, that's someone funny. said second base, <laughs> and that's anal. Well, that's their quote from uh, second base is anal for them. Wow. Yeah. Someone answered that. So wow. I don't even want to. Yeah, know it would have been funny if it was like oh, Topeka. <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, so <laughs> when was the last time you ate? Uh, it's about six o'clock. And what was the most disgusting thing you ever ate in your life? Uh, jeez. Most disgusting thing I've ever ate in my life. Dude, I don't even know. (laughs) I really got to think about that. Oh, man. Number seven. Um, number, Number seven. How come a wolf is the only thing that can be aware? (laughs) <laughs> I, I i have no idea i i, I that that question was so lit it was just phenomenal question it's amazing wow i i think that's about the top of the mountain for rhetorical questions i just i don't even know how to respond to that one <laughs> right Never forget. How come a wolf is the only thing to be aware? Number eight. Can you tell us your deepest, darkest secret? Oh. <laughs> um. Take this one seriously, please. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a pretty open book. The darkest secret that no one's ever heard you say exclusively on the Productive Conversation podcast. Darkest secret. Jeez. I, I really don't know. I don't have many secrets. I really don't. I, it's hard to even think about them. You could just make up one, too. Or there's something in middle school that you did. <laughs> uh, oh, like something embarrassing? Yeah, we could, we could do that. Um, all right. One thing I regretted. So... Or no, this is embarrassing. So I one time texted a girl asking her out and it turned out it wasn't her number. It was her best friend's. Oh, that's cruel. (laughs) And I didn't realize it, obviously. And over text too? Yeah, over over text. Was she hotter than the original girl? Um, No. Mm, Sad day, sad day. Usually the best friend is like pretty... You're like, you know, usually, usually like the best friend is at least very close, at least a lateral move. Yeah. I wouldn't have been upset. Gotcha. With the alternative. (laughs) She turned you down too, though, huh? Yes. Damn. She lost. Did you like, when she said no, were you just like, okay? Or were you like, I didn't even mean to text you in the first place. Um, no, because I think the why this is so embarrassing is because I still didn't even realize that it was because she didn't say her name. <laughs> oh, no. So I still didn't realize until like the next day. Oh, okay. And then oh. I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, no, I thought you were going to say like, I didn't realize until I was a junior in college. <laughs> no, I realized like the next day. Well, but yeah, she was, missed out. All right. That's tough. I'll, I'll say that's that's a a, Many people don't know that, I would say. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll pretty take solid. That. Uh, two more. Number nine. I just have the, the question right here. Um, uh, number nine. Do we have enough porn? 
No. No. <laughs> oh wow. What else do we? I guess. I guess <laughs> well, I guess there is more. You know, I saw a third. A third. Always innovating. A third of internet traffic is porn. One third of the whole internet. Wow, I believe that. Yeah. That's crazy. Jeez. Well, someone's got to create content, right? <laughs> True. And the final. The final one. What is the craziest thing you ever done? Hands down, the craziest. I can't believe I did this. I'm a legend. Um, Tom's like, uh, I went on Boulder Dash one time. That was pretty cool. I actually hate roller coasters. <laughs> oh, all right. So down, down a level from that. Yeah. Um... Craziest thing I ever done. I mean, I played at Yankee Stadium. Hell yeah. I played yeah. baseball at Yankee Stadium. That was pretty freaking cool. I'd say that's legendary. It's not super crazy, but it's legendary. Um, I say that. That counts. That is crazy as fuck. The good one or the bad one? The old one. The good one. That's okay. Good. The good one. That's nuts. History. All right. Well, listen, again, this was a great time, guys. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Again, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Between Two Gardens podcast on Spotify and soon to be on all podcasted platforms and YouTube. And they have new episodes every Thursday. Guys, do we have any final words before we say goodbye? Man, a lot, lot of words in the last three hours. I don't know if I have any left, honestly. <laughs> a lot. Like, we might need to take a break next week from podcasting. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, this is a lot. But, hey. but great conversations, man. Thank you for having us. Yes, um, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate the support. And I'm very excited to see where both Between Two Gardens and Productive Conversations go. Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. I hope we could do this again down the road absolutely and like i said i love and appreciate you guys i can't wait to see where you guys go as well so you got my back anytime you need any help with anything in this crazy podcasting world i'm here for you guys appreciate it absolutely so until next time i'll see you guys again again that's tom arduino it's dan and sorry let me get this right damn emmons and uh again emmons Dan Emmons, Dan Emmons, Tom Arduino. Don't forget to like and subscribe to their podcast every Thursday on Spotify. Have a great night, guys, and thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Have a great night. Dan Emmons, Thomas Arduino, the great host of the Between Two Gardens podcast. And as said many times and said one final time, Check them out on Spotify, new episodes every Thursday. Also, don't forget about this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. Also, don't forget to check us out for all exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. On that site, we have every single one of our podcasts, every single one of our videos, You can even check out the digital shorts I've put on there and the blogs I have written. And you can check out our exclusive merchandise store thanks to our friends at Zazzle. 
With affordable prices, you can get the coolest merchandise regarding this podcast, the coolest apparel. Get some comfy flip-flops for the summer with the Productive Conversations podcast logo on it. Get some t-shirts in there. Get some exclusive Productive Conversations socks. Everything Productive Conversations podcast merchandise is on our store. Either go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com slash merchandise or check the link in the episode description below. Also, don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Oh, yeah. It's Monday, but we are making big moves this week. We have podcast hosts coming back on Thursday. Two recurring guests, two of my favorite guests I've had on this show. Dolo Ren and Bars from the Word for Word podcast. Check them out on YouTube. Go subscribe to them. Word for Word podcast on YouTube. And they're going to come back on Thursday to talk life with me. We're going to talk NBA. We're going to talk about crazy stories in Norwalk. We're going to talk about a lot of deep stuff. And we're going to go in this Thursday with the two great hosts of the Word for Word podcast. You do not want to miss it. Also part of that show, we are previewing the Oscars. This Sunday is the 93rd Academy Awards, and it is going to be something else. In a year we weren't allowed to go to the movies, we still were entertained with so many great movies. And it's time to honor the great men, women, and people who have created those great movies for us to enjoy. At this year's Oscars... You know I'm a big movie person. I love my movies. Obviously, I've been watching a lot of the nominated films. And I have, and I believe I have a good idea on who's receiving a golden statue on Sunday. I have a special guest coming through as well. And you will know on Thursday who that special guest is. Then next week, we're going to react to the big news. Who got the golden statue? Who won? Who got snubbed? And all that. So... A busy but fun weekend ahead in the world of movies that we have to get ready for. But until then, we will see you on Thursday with Dolo and Bars. Thanks again to Dan Ammons and Thomas Arduino. Go check out their podcast on Spotify, the Between Two Gardens podcast. And I just want to thank you, the greatest listeners and fans in the world, for making this all possible. I love and appreciate you dearly. Have a fantastic start of your week. You can do some great things in these next few days until we meet again on Thursday. Be sure to do it. I believe in you. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I will see you very, very soon. Much love, everybody. Peace.